Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe for your free 30-day trial subscription. Go to mubi.com slash filmstage. back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the review podcast for filmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Robin Barr. Hi, Barbie. We also have Bill Graham. Hi, Ken. Wait a second. All right. You know what? No, I'm not going to get into the mechanics of it. We also have with us a special <laughs> guest today to help us talk about Barbie, the uh, film sensation that is sweeping the nation, and that is Heather Schnell. Hi, Barbie. Hello. <laughs> that response means you are Barbie, Brian. Yeah. So that's the thing is like everyone's all the women are saying hi, Barbie, which is fine because you could be talking to each other. And then I guess, Bill, were you talking to me because I'm Ken? But because I said hello to the Barbie. You, yeah, but you said you said hello to me. So I said hello, oh, Ken. OK. All right. So I am both Barbie and Ken in this taxonomy because yeah. people <laughs> said different things to me. All right. All right. I can get behind that. The audience could be also Barbie. So it's like, hi, Barbie. Yes. So or everyone miss- should have announced whether they were saying hello to the audience or to me to clarify. I was saying hello to Hi, Mattel. Yeah. Okay. Hello to Heather me. Heather was right? specifically <laughs> saying hello to Robin and no one else. Yeah. So <laughs> fuck y'all. OK. Um. Awesome. Uh, what are we doing here today? We're talking about Barbie, the newest film from co-writer and director Greta Gerwig, uh, co-written with Noah Baumbach, uh, stars Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, amongst many others. And uh, we're going to talk about it. Before we do that, let's learn a little more about our guest. Heather, would you like to introduce yourself to our listening audience? Once again, hi, Barbie. <laughs> um, <laughs> that one's for the yes. audience, though, not for Robin. Um. Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, my name is Heather Schwedell. I am a staff writer at Slate.com, where I write about pop culture, celebrities, um, other fun stuff like that. And I believe I last joined you guys for Don't Worry, Darling. Yes. yes. <laughs> I looked that up because I was like, when was the last time we had Heather on? I was like, Don't Worry, Darling. Does she have this weird thing about desert-bound semi-utopias <laughs> that adhere to rigid gender roles and involve a like groundswell of patriarchy right there are a lot of the- thematic overlap we-, we should actually compare them at some point yes and scene by scene <laughs> <laughs> the year of desert movie now that i think about it because well, there's this also was asteroid city september of 2022 was don't worry okay darling. 12 months yes of... that is it is still a 12 month period so yes yeah, start the, if, the if... jewish year exactly the jewish calendar year <laughs> okay i'll take your word for it um yeah don't worry darling uh what uh atomic no <laughs> asteroid city oppenheimer atomic, city. <laughs> atomic blonde city um if uh... we extend it to be like a year and a quarter dune possibly <laughs> Good point. Yeah. We'll see whenever that comes out. We, now. we will indeed. Um, but yeah, so you're back to talk about uh, another movie that has a lot of like just a very similar. We got to have you back for like a jungle movie next time. <laughs> um, yeah, get that... you in more biomes is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I do like the, the warm weather and warm climate. So I'm, I'm very comfortable here as well. <laughs> okay. well then we'll have you back for Dune. I mean, that's the best <laughs> okay. I can offer you. Um, so yeah, uh, great to have you back. Uh, don't worry, darling was an interesting conversation. And I feel as though a lot of what I say today is going to be related to don't worry, darling. Okay, so good. let's do it. It's good that you're back because I don't have to explain to someone who didn't listen to the episode what I'm referring <laughs> to. Um, so that's that. Uh, great to have you back. Uh, excited. Uh, don't forget to follow us on... I'm not saying X. So follow us on Twitter at Show. <laughs> um, follow us on Facebook, The Film Stage Show. And uh, of course, email us, podcastfilmstage.com. Give us a comment and rating on iTunes. Go to patreon.com slash show to become a patron for as little as $1 an episode. You get access to our super cool Slack channel. Uh, first crack at a bunch of awesome giveaways. And, uh, you know, just the joy and the knowledge that you've helped us to put on this show. We are also brought to you by Mubi. As I said at the top of the show, Mubi is a curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there's always something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected, so you can always explore the best of cinema, streaming anytime, anywhere. Um, I talked a couple weeks ago about a bunch of great Mubi movies, movies on Mubi. <laughs> that were out, including 72 and Sollers Point. Today, I wanted to talk about Happer's Comet, gliding through a somnambulant suburbia. Tyler Taomnia's hypnotic follow-up to Ham on Rye captures the unexpected magic and surprise interactions of the witching hour. In this Long Island lullaby filmed during lockdown, skaters soar and lovers slink into the dark, keyed in to the rhythm of the night. So check that out. I wonder where that was filmed. It says Long Island. So Yeah, but like Long Island is... Like oh, okay. I thought you were long. like, did they film it in Toronto and try to say it's Long Island? No, no. I'm just curious. I'm sure it was filmed where it was said it was, but... I should yeah. hope so. That's such like a specific place that if it wasn't filmed in Long Island, it would feel Exactly. Weird and like, it's on Long Island, not in Long yeah, Island. Yeah, accidentally filmed it on Staten Island. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, you want me to look it up? I can just take a second. No, I'm Googling find... it. I'm oh, okay, Googling great. It. Well, let us know when you figure it out. I will. Um, as for uh, what else? That's about it, I think. Um, check it out. Uh, don't forget to get a free month free uh, by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage to try out Mubi for 30 days at no cost to you. Uh, and you can thank us for that. Email us to thank us. Um, mubi.com slash film stage. That's all for that. Uh, and that's all I got to say about front matter. Does anyone else have anything they want to say before we begin? Robin, how was your academic conference for a place that shouldn't have been named? It was really fun. Yeah, I got to present. Uh, I got a lot of really good feedback on my presentation. Um, you know, it's always a good time. We were in Portland, Oregon, so got to explore. Got my voodoo donuts. Got, you know, salt and straw ice cream. Um, yeah, it was a good time. Good time. Awesome. Well, that's it. I don't care what anyone else has been up to. Uh, Yay! Let's get into our feature review again. This is the movie Barbie, um, based on the uh, intellectual True property story. owned by Mattel. <laughs> <laughs> 
This movie stars Margot Robbie as the titular Barbie. Uh, it also stars Ryan Gosling as Ken, and again was directed by Greta Gerwig, who co-wrote with Noah Baumbach. And here is the trailer. Hey, Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. All right, that is part of the trailer for Barbie. It's out in theaters now. It won the weekend. It vastly overperformed expectations and is uh, something of a cultural, I can't think of the word I'm going to say, sensation? Phenomena. Phenomena? Yeah, <laughs> either of those works. Explosion. Yeah, with, with the M. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, people have been going to the theaters dressed in pink. And then going and seeing Oppenheimer. It's been a weird weekend. Let's talk about this movie and uh, examine our thoughts and feelings on it, as we are wont to do, because this is a movie review podcast. <laughs> we begin, as always, with our guest. Uh, uh, I guess I should read the plot summary from IMDb. Barbie suffers a crisis that leads her to question her world and her existence. There you go. Um, so, guest, Heather Shadell, what do you think of the movie Barbie? I... I increasingly wish that I did not experience like hype cycles for mm. movies because <laughs> I like I I love it and I get so excited for movies, but no movie can live up to what I think it will be. Um, that most recently happened this year with Past Lives, like the, the mm -hmm. movie I imagined in my head it was my favorite movie ever, yeah. and I think kind of for Barbie too. So, but some a lot of that is just what I'm bringing to it. We can't bring the. Um, blame the film world but I enjoyed Barbie I think I was expecting it to maybe be life-changing or something that's um, was optimistic I enjoyed it I actually saw it twice because I knew I was discussing it on this podcast and I was like Aww. why don't why don't I go an extra time to see if I glean any more insights and I actually think seeing it once was fine <laughs> it's not that I didn't enjoy it the second time that like i did the most biting criticism ever. it was beautiful <laughs> the Thank academy you. award for best writing and best <laughs> acting goes to oh, i yeah. i just think like it was fun to see once i don't think it it's really like deep enough to warrant another viewing and i feel like for me there's a certain test like not that i like have sleepover parties anymore but does it pass the sleepover party movie test i like it doesn't feel like something i'm going to be re-watching a lot but wait what is that <laughs> test would you watch it as a sleepover oh yeah. okay robin did you yeah, have but... sleepovers as a kid is this another well, first of all i had no the friends until i was 16 right this is what i was going to say is this is another dark colored <laughs> tile in the mosaic of your history and childhood <laughs> Well, actually, if you'd gone to my presentation, you would have learned a lot more about that. Well, you um, didn't invite me. So <laughs> don't think do I you work in have... disability services at Bleep? No, but I am a contractor who works with DIA with the federal government. I could have bullshit my way in there. True, true, true. Um, yeah, uh, I had sleepovers with my cousins, but wow, that you was were like primarily very friendless. It. Yes, I was. So, Robin, when, when people have friends who enjoy being around yeah. them and they live in a safe <laughs> environment where they feel like they can invite other people into, what mm -hmm. you do is 
you sleep at one another's house so that you can stay <laughs> up later. And some oh, okay. of the ritual entertainments involve uh, board games, catching lightning bugs, uh, you know, playing charades, but also like watching movies that are fun. Okay, because I have I had some sleepover experiences, not frequent. And uh-huh. the two movies that I really associate with these rituals uh-huh. are The Land Before Time. Oh, Jesus, all right. And Grease, which I think oh, is eminently rewatchable. I was going to say Grease is yeah. number one sleepover movie canon. I'm so glad you said that. Yes, it, it's... Um, Greece, I believe now and then the craft are big oh, ones. The craft is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, I'm sure it's evolved a little like over time. Like Mean Girls has probably become one. Agreed. Agreed. That was another Legally cousin's blonde, movie for me. Clueless. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, you know, what's um, funny is I'm trying to think of sleepover movies and they're very female centric. Yeah. So Clueless uh, was actually my bachelorette party movie. Oh, there you go. You <laughs> so that's sort of like a point. sleepover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 16. So I've had friends for 20 years. Or You got married at 20. 16? <laughs> <laughs> um, I One thing I was thinking about with uh, like this, maybe we're jumping ahead a little, but like how old is old enough to see this movie like oh I, I was thinking, that's a, this is a so, big conversation as a, as a man with a seven-year-old daughter yeah we're gonna have to spend at least half an hour talking about that yeah yeah well i i was thinking that specifically because i think i was talking to a friend with a seven-year-old but i saw clueless which is one of my all-time favorite movies um when it came out in 1995 so i believe i was seven then yeah, and same, same. i don't know if I was actually old enough to see it, like I'm so glad I saw it. Like when I like really shaped my taste and life, but like, would I understand and enjoy Barbie if I, if I saw it now as a seven year old, I, I kind of have of that Clueless. question. Right. Yeah. Clueless has the vibe and like the looks and the energy to really like get you through that. Cause I saw Clueless. Yes, as a kid. exactly. It's almost the same with like, the, the Jim Carrey movies, you know, that I saw as a child that I 100% shouldn't have. Like oh. Dumb and Dumber, The Mask, and uh, The Pet Detective. Like, I shouldn't have watched those. Those were, like, wildly inappropriate for me. But I didn't know <laughs> that he was getting a blowjob when that woman was thanking him for getting his dog back. I thought exactly. it was funny that he had to hang his head out of the car like a dog because the guy smashed his window in. These movies age well because, well, I shouldn't say age well. I mean, you age into them. So there's so much to appreciate about a movie movie like Clueless or a movie like Ace Ventura or whatever because there are jokes that are down here. Right. And then as you get older, it's like the Easter eggs sort of pile right. up. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, like wait, those Jim that's Carrey what movies, that was? It was just his rubber face ping-ponging around. And you you know, you know run out and say, oh, alrighty then. And it's just like everyone <laughs>, laughs because it's funny and the delivery is funny. And like, I don't know. What he was doing with the butt thing. Yeah, or, or you're a virgin you can't was. drive. Like, who knew yeah. what that was? But it, it was cutting because the way she said it, you clearly knew that she just got owned. But, like, yeah, Cher <laughs> just had a vibe. Also, I think the fact that Clueless was very much predicated around, like, love. You know, mm-hmm. even as a child, you understand that, like, people want to pair up and experience companionship. So when you see her, like, lame teacher get together with her other lame teacher, you're like, oh, they're cute together. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, and I don't know if this movie has that where um, you can age into it and it sort of like a- appreciates upon viewing. I think um, 
Yeah, that's going to be interesting because I think maybe yeah. that's possible, but I definitely think that a child watching this movie would not enjoy a second of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I think you can enjoy it just visually, the, yeah. the world that, that she created is fun. And some of that is what I wish I hadn't seen so much of before going in because I mm-hmm. think just, just the fun of seeing all that would have been for the first time in the theater would have been and should have been a bigger reveal. So like, I felt like a lot of the movie was kind of like setting up the world and, and meeting the characters. And then they kind of like, were like, Oh, I guess we have to have a plot and like sprinkled some in, but it just didn't feel like it had enough stakes or like was big enough to be as big as the whole Barbie marketing Mm -hmm. machine. So Mm -hmm. that that's kind of what I was missing. I think it feels all right. Bill Graham. Oh boy. Um, (laughs) I had next to no advertising for this. Like I I saw the first trailer, the send up of 2001, a space odyssey. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, Cool. I mean, basically, it was Barbie. It was Greta Gerwig, and I was pretty much sold on that. Like, I didn't. I didn't even have to have Margot Robbie or Ryan Gosling or any of the other supporting cast that are all excellent across the board. Um, so, I didn't come in with a lot of hype. Uh, I did come in with the Barbenheimer hype. Um, I was excited to see both of these films, kind of, you know, friendly against each other right like like this is this is a friendly matchup this is not like yeah yeah, this is not like how some of the oscar campaigns kind of turn nasty where it's like oh this movie or this movie which side are you on like this is not a a jacob or edward kind of thing this is just like ah Okay. Yeah, this is going to be great. Also, and this isn't a zero sum game. It's not like when Iron Man yeah. and the Dark Knight got released really close to each other and it's like, oh, one of them's trying to eat the other's lunch. It's like, I don't know that people who would have gone and seen Oppenheimer were like vastly dissuaded because they were like, oh, well, I've only got time for one and I got to see Barbie. If anything, I think well, they I think, bumped each other up. Oh, absolutely. So many, yeah, yeah. Synergy. It's like the two well, they, genders. <laughs> that that definitely happened. That definitely happened. And, you know, we're going to be talking about Oppenheimer later this week, um, depending on when you start your week, um, whether it's Sunday or Monday. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But, you know, I think the interesting thing about that is also that Nolan put such a emphasis on seeing it in a large format screen that there are only so many large format screens in America uh, specifically, right? Because that's basically this, this opening weekend, right. That we're talking about for right now. Um, And so, you know, I think that also lends it lends to, to people going, Oh shit. I can't go see Oppenheimer this weekend because all the screenings are fucking sold out. Cause there's only so many <laughs> and you don't want to sit up front for something like that. Yeah. So you're like, all right, fuck it. Like, uh, I guess I'll go see Barbie anyways. Right. And so I think it didn't, it didn't like have to contend with the same style of screens in a way. Right. If both of these movies were in back in 3d land, right. If both right. of these movies were in 3d, this would be a nightmare for both studios. Right. But it's instead like it's like a mission oh, impossible well. and an Avengers get released. And it's like, Oh, well, you know, Correct. mission impossible only has two weeks on IMAX. Cause then, you know, yes. Suddenly and we actually, yeah, we saw that with Mission Impossible, which of course, you know, wasn't even shot in IMAX, so doesn't fucking matter anyway. Yeah, Sorry, Tom. 
Yeah. Uh, but anyways, so I didn't catch a lot of the hype for this. Um, like, honestly, like, I don't know where the marketing is because I didn't, I didn't, but I also don't watch like a lot of live television except for formula one. Um, that's about it right now. Cause there's no real other sports. Go- uh, sorry, baseball. I guess that's happening, <laughs> but you know, it's good Warriors luck. With your the, uh, the games. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, anyways. So I didn't get a lot of the hype. Um, and I went into this kind of not blind, but basically just like happy go lucky, whatever comes of this, you know, I'm, I'm happy. And I was absolutely gobsmacked with how much I enjoyed this. Uh, I enjoyed it from beginning to end. I think there's a lot of weird shit in this film. Um, I think there's a lot of weird things happening around this film as well. The, the conversation is just intriguing in so many different directions. Um, but ultimately I, I landed that, I think this is exactly what you could, the best that you could hope for, for something that doesn't have an inherent plot that is about a toy. And it reminded me so much of what Lord and Miller did with the Lego movie, where it was this zany antics and just a ton of fun and had a surprising amount of heart. And all of these things just kind of combined into this perfect little thing that, you know, all these studios will most likely try and replicate, probably fail, probably studio note it to death and, you know, end up with a lesser product than something like this. And I'm not going to say that this is pure because certainly with Mattel's involvement, right, that sign off is... You know, it's this weird combination of like, yeah, they're poking fun at us and also like raising awareness. And, you know, I don't know if anybody's from this movie that are adults are going to go run out and buy Barbies, but maybe they'll go grab them if they're in an attic somewhere, you know, and maybe look on them longingly or maybe they'll just, you know, rip off Ken's head. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But I, I think I think it's a lot of fun. And the last thing I'll say real quick in, in this kind of snapshot is the amount of people I saw at the theater was really heartening because ever since, you know, 2020, we've just been like, oh, the movies, man, are they ever going to come back? And yes, this is lightning in a bottle. It'll be basically impossible to capture this again. Um and I mean, especially if if you force true. it, like if you make movies that people are excited about, people will go to the movies. Like, but, sure, so but I'm, I'm talking man. about I'm I'm talking about the double bill. <clears throat> like that is going to be really difficult to like have happen again. So what's interesting is that's how they used to do movies. Like you I know, have, I know like, the counter programming. Like you know, it'd be like, oh, we're releasing this like crazy bloody action movie, but we're also releasing a PG 13 rom-com. And then it would be like, Oh, I feel bad for all the boys whose girlfriends are dry. getting them to see like Valentine's day. while we're going to see kick puncher, you know, but like that's like people, <laughs> we didn't use to monopolize screens on a single thing because like Avengers 17, the wrath of Ganaja was coming out, you know, like, 
You know what's funny is I well, actually it, it, saw a tweet today. Apparently, uh, Daenerys Targaryen is in that new Marvel show that just ended. Yes, she is. And she's yes. got a name that's like G apostrophe something. And I was trying to remember it when I was Gaia. making that joke. Oh, it's Gaia? All right. Like yep. the Earth spirit? Yep. That's fucking stupid. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's the joke I was going for, and I couldn't remember what it was. Mm. Anyway. But yeah, but yeah I, mean, that, I, I was... I was I, I love seeing all the people show up to the theater. My my Barbie screening in particular, like just walking from the parking lot. Like I told Erica, I was like, hey, uh, the parking lot's probably going to be pretty packed. And she was like, ah, it'll be fine. And no, we par- we put, wow, that was a weird accent. Uh, <laughs> we parked really far away. And like the whole walk in, I was just noticing like any gender you can name in bright pink. And I was just like, holy shit, this is incredible. Even like, some you, can. you know, yeah. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was a blast and uh, our theater was rocking and having a, having a, a blast with it as well. Um, even our servers were like dressed up, uh, clearly got the message out there. So, uh, you know, people keep talking about Mattel and the amount of money they spent, or I guess it would be Warner Brothers, really, uh, the amount of money they spent to like market and advertise. And mm. to me, it went right over my fucking head. I didn't see a fucking lick <laughs> of that. They, I okay. saw the Nightmare uh, Burger King burger, the pink thing or whatever, Dude, the what? sauce, I guess. Yeah, uh, that's definitely a thing. But I, that's that's like that's such a thing that it's like okay, well, that's not advertising. That's just gross. It's <laughs> always pink, though. Like it's almost yeah. always pink. Yeah. So what? Unless this is like bubblegum. I what's gross about it? I mean, no, wait, what? Wait, what are you talking? About? No, the sauce. The sauce. <laughs> Burger. What burger sauce is, is almost always pink. That's the fucking craziest thing you've ever said, Robin. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, if you it mix is. Ketchup and mustard. What fucking color do you get? I don't know. Who uh, would do no? Yellow, it's just yellow and red what? swirled together. Oh, that is not mayonnaise. pink. Yes. Okay. Mayonnaise makes <laughs> more sense, but even then, it becomes more of an orange. It's like a thousand islandy kind of. It's not pink. That is pink. Yeah. You are a pink denier. I'm not. No. <laughs> I'm gonna go. When you mix red and white. What do you get? <laughs> now this is pink, this is pepto-bismol This is, like pep- okay, this is a gross, nasty. unnatural pink. This okay, we'll like, eat yeah. green ketchup. So shut up. <laughs> I don't eat green ketchup. What are you talking about? Are you are you what, saying salsa? Were you not rojo? a child in 1998? I remember the green ketchup, and I remember specifically not eating it at a barbecue I went to because because you were like, "I'm reading War and Peace. I can't green ketchup." <laughs> yes, I also can't speak to Napoleonic people. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyways. Anyway, yeah. so that's so. those are Bill's thoughts. Uh, Robin, <laughs> aside from believing that pink is a normal thing to put on a hamburger, it's absolutely pink. That's pink. the fucking grand. The crane cane sauce is pink. I don't know what that means. Is that some weird Boston thing? No, that's offensive. Cane's is from like Louisiana. And it's anyway. All right. Well, I'm looking it up. Good. This is learn how pink. to spell canes. It's pink. I guess it's like a. I don't know. Don't Everyone... fucking say coral. <laughs> I was gonna say salmon, but okay. Salmon. Anyway. Yeah, same <laughs> shit. It's pink. I don't think that, all right, everyone, right now, 
listening at home, stop what you're doing. Pull over to the side of the road. <laughs> tell your children to shut up. Look up cane sauce and tell me if this is pink. I think it's more orangey. It's pink. I'm going to do this. Okay. Do right. it. Heather, do this. Help settle the tie. Uh, Robin, what are your thoughts on Barbie? <laughs> All right. Uh, my thoughts are probably somewhere. Oh, between... that's orange. What the fuck? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pastel orange. Oh, <laughs> look at what happened. Robin just got shamed. I understand if you want. I to am read. not shamed. I'm sorry that all of you people do not ha- know how to read the color wheel. You're not crazy. Or I'm not crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> You're not I guess three, three versus one. in some pictures, but orange yep. is more. But my... if you were to, if you Google Burger King Barbie hamburger, right, and then you look at this raising cane sauce versus <laughs> what is on that burger, that's not. That's not even close. <laughs> Different color wheels. Mm, this is looking. Wow, this looks so gross. <laughs> Yeah, this is awful. Burger King Barbie. Hold on, I'm looking it up. I believe that I would bite into it, and even if it was like the spiciest thing on earth, I would still just taste bubble gum. Um, but the the milkshake looks good. I would like to try that. Pink milkshake makes sense to me because like a strawberry milk is a pinkish milk, you know. So I would be like, okay, that's a dairy color. All right, now I kind of want to try this. Well, go uh, to go, hey, go to a Burger King near you and request the barbecue. Well, you have to go to Bur- Burger King in Brazil. So good oh, luck okay. with that. All right. Well, don't go to a Burger King near you then. You got to go to a Burger King far away from you. Right, Robin, what <laughs> do you mean, think of this Burger fucking Kings movie? Burger Kings are only far away. <laughs> I don't even know if there's a Burger King in my city. I you think there's out. no Burger Kings in Boston? Well, I live in Cambridge. Oh, my. Uh, I'm so sorry. All right. Cambridge, <laughs> mm-hmm. MA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Concord Avenue, That's Cambridge not Place, live. Somerville. That, that, I don't live in Somerville. Okay, but these these are, I think, what about Cambridge Place? That's a road. <laughs> All right, anyway, Robin, what do you think of this movie? What's, what are we doing here? All right. <laughs> what do I think of this movie? I am somewhere between Heather and Bill, maybe closer to Heather on the scale of things. Um, I definitely had a good time at the theater. So... You know, as a comedy, I would give it a solid B plus or a three out of four stars. To me, that's just like, that was good. I laughed. But there were a couple of things that elevated it. Maybe, you know, more of the technical elements. I thought Ryan Gosling was magnificent in this movie. He he almost made the movie for me because he's just so funny and he's so he's so playful. And we haven't seen playful Ryan Gosling in a very long time like i have maybe you know crazy what the hell was that movie crazy stupid love thank you crazy stupid love i almost said crazy rich asians but that's not a movie um he was not in crazy rich asians either uh but he was really fun in in crazy stupid love and also lars and the real girl but i think our cultural imagination of ryan gosling is like blue valentine where he's just so fucking depressing. So it was really fun to see him own. What do you wait? Did you not see the kind nice of, guys? What the hell is that? Wow. <laughs> wow. No, you're talking to Robin, Brian. I'm sorry. I'm I'm right now being what they claim men are in this movie because yeah, you I can't always have been boo boo. That you. I mean, that's why I'm. <laughs> um, you uh, Heather, have you seen the nice guys? I'm trying to remember her. I think. <laughs> 
There's a movie that's like also Guy Ritchie that's like similar to that. Oh, it's not The Gentleman. No, it's... I might have seen that one. No, it's the one where Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe are trying to uh, find uh, Margaret Qualley. Kim Basinger's in it. Mm-mm. It's really, it's he, he. Oh man, he's he's like the best. It's a neo noir. It. It's a neo noir, and he's like this like screaming coward. It's it's so oh, it's so fucking funny. Oh, okay, on, I, I, I believe on Netflix. you. Oh, that's probably why I've never heard of it. Well, I mean, um, it came out in theaters. Oh, I thought it was. <laughs> I'm a Netflix telling you, original. it is now on Netflix. So you can watch it if you need to. Um, Understood. It's, it's Shane it just, Black. It smells it's really like a Netflix original, you know. Well, that the, the I think that unfortunately says everything it needs to about modern filmmaking and movie releases that uh, mm-hmm. a small movie like that would not strike you as something that would go out in theaters. Yeah, yeah. I saw The Gentleman. It, it was <laughs> it was just okay, but I wa- I would like to see the the nice guys. I've also I'll see more fun Ryan Gosling. He but... is incredibly fun in that movie. If you like fun yep, Ryan he's Gosling, great. him in that movie is like incredible. Well, I love it. And, you know, we sometimes forget, I think, that he started out as a one of the Mickey Mouse Club kids in the 90s, too. Yeah, um, I th- he was in a, an episode of uh, Not Are You Afraid of the Dark? Goosebumps. I think he was in the one with the camera that kills mm, people. Interesting. Dun, 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 dun. Say cheese and die. Yeah. You know, <laughs> nice. Well, well the only done, one I Heather. This is why we yeah. got Heather, okay? Heather <laughs> knows her nostalgia. Um so yeah, I loved him, and I just thought the production design honestly was so masterful. I I I felt what you're saying, Heather, about how I kind of wished I had seen less of it, so I could be more surprised by the the just overwhelming verisimilitude of the Barbie world. Like it's just it it really fulfilled me in many ways to see that realized and I and I'm a big fan of things like amusement parks and and places that do that kind of artificiality um it just delights me so it that just was so beautiful and I loved the production design the production um uh, the practical effects the the costuming like that really elevated the movie past what what I would say the the lack of cohesion or coherence in the story, you know, didn't do for me as much. Um, I do have a lot of complaints about the movie. You know, I thought that the feminism of it was a little facile. Um, A friend of mine described it as white feminism. I don't have the best grasp of that concept, uh, but what I do know about it, I kind of agree with. It's, It's a very narrow view of feminism this this movie and not that every movie has to be whatever about feminism it's just like I really I really get itchy at like message movies and things that are super on the nose and are just going out of their way to pander to my demographic so that was already like I knew that was going to be a problem for me um and it was it was like and in that sense it's a little too clever in some ways like I laughed a lot at the jokes, but then a lot of the dialogue was like just so liberal arts college. And I say that as a liberal arts college graduate, and I say that as somebody who works at a university, I just struggled a little bit with the weak chant. But I, I just struggled with that sort of like, you are my audience member, you who are who is the educated elite. Like it was just 
annoying. And I also felt like Marco Robbie swallowed some of those lines there. Um, and to go along with what I think you were sort of getting at, where, where both you and Heather were getting at, Brian, is that I just wish it had been a little more family friendly. I felt way too much of the humor was like, this is for Gen X, this is for millennials. And not a lot was left for people of broader ages because, you know, Barbie came out in what, uh, 59, I think, mm-hmm. 49. Um, I think Someone it was 49. It was 59. Thank it was, you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Cause I know her, her 40th birthday was in 99. So there's so many huge ranges of women and girls who love Barbie still. And, and I'm certainly, uh, I was a huge Barbie kid. I played with them till I was 15. I got really into the like, canon of barbie which this movie doesn't really touch and that's that's fine do we need need Um, to look into the fact that when you stopped playing with barbies a year later you suddenly were having sleepovers (laughs) they are related (laughs) but not necessarily for the reasons you think it's not causal (laughs) is what you're saying (laughs) no it was not yeah it was it was correlation not causation um yeah so i i just had issues with that. I thought that it could have been more of a, a larger quadrant film or, or a four quadrant movie than it ended up being. It's just like so much of the humor was based on pop culture jokes, which are going to age like blue cheese. Like mm-hmm. nobody, like even the Godfather reference was just so specific. And yep. I, I get what, I get what the movie is trying to do and try to say, but you know, in five to 10 years, is this going to be like 30 rock where it has an expiration date? Um, maybe you could argue that Clueless has like that weird expiration too. Like there's plenty of jokes in there that, you know, maybe only nineties kids or eighties people could get maybe. Well, you know, kids maybe don't like I have driving too cars much of that anymore, in a... So yeah. Or having sex. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. That sounded like I was joking, but I am legitimately saying, no, it's true. Apparently it's, children it's don't give trend. a shit about getting driver's license anymore. And a big part of Clueless is she wants that goddamn driver's license. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. So, what you know, maybe the, um, I'm, what was the, like, remember when Keanu Reeves was talking about like, Oh yeah, I was explaining the matrix to these kids about how like it's humans that are stuck in a simulation. And the kids were like, why does that matter? <laughs> like, oh, right. The newest generation doesn't give a shit if they're stuck in a computer program they'd probably prefer it and you know and there was a matrix reference in this movie like in fact there were probably a lot of film references that i even i didn't get um i loved the dream ballet even though i generally hate dream ballets so you know your mileage may vary but i i definitely would not say this is like um an all-timer for me but i love that it's made money i love dressing up i love being in a theater of people who love this. And I don't give a fuck about whatever this means for capitalism. I don't give a shit that, you know, this is a Mattel movie, like whatever. Nobody is going out of their way to jerk off about how, you know, Marvel is so fucking capitalist. And it's the same shit. Like we're all, I feel we're like all... a lot of people are going out of their way to jerk off about Marvel being capitalist. <laughs> no, they're jerking and... off of, Maybe about maybe that it's fascistic or maybe that it's, um, you know, you know, it's not cinema or whatever Scorsese likes to say. But I don't feel like so many people are going out of their way to be like, oh, 
this movie is like so brand or whatever. Like people love their Marvel brand. And I think I think you should allow people people, Marvel brand. Like Yeah, but a lot of people are Marvel people. Like real people are Marvel people. It's not just, you know, real America, the heartland. (laughs) Go to your Jason Aldean concert. (laughs) I understand what she's saying though. So there's so much like quote unquote discourse about what a Barbie means, but like yeah, a lot of fucking people like Barbie and we are glad to have IP that is directed toward primarily women or queer people or whatever. Like I'm I'm all good with that. Give the people what they want. I like Instagram ads that are directed to people like me. I have bought plenty of things from Instagram ads because I'm like finally someone is looking out for my needs. Right. Finally, someone knows that I need a soup ladle that looks like the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, or I need some really cool plus-size clothes. Like, nobody was ever going out of their way to advertise to me before. So, yeah, give me that algorithm, that sweet, sweet algorithm, and give me this sweet, sweet IP. (laughs) And and the pink pink sauce. Give it all, baby. I love pink. I mean, the pink sauce is... (laughs) do Do you all remember the TikTok thing, the pink sauce? Nobody yes. knows TikTok. Like, okay, no, Brian, no one uses yes. TikTok. <laughs> this is again, no one uses TikTok. Stand for it. No, there, there was this lady who like just started her own company, and she was sending pink sauce in the mail, and it like curdled or spoiled. I don't like, know she if it did not have like FDA just, approval. Right. I don't even know if it was curdling. I think people were just like looking at this and going, "That will curdle." I don't, I, yeah, like the pink sauce is a huge thing. People were like, oh, she made the sauce and I'm going to buy it. And then the people were like, it's really good. And then other people were like, there's no way you can buy a shelf stable sauce from a woman who's making it in her kitchen and it's fucking pink. And then, right. and then sending it know. in the mail, yeah. like that just doesn't seem like a good idea. It's very odd. It's very Once weird. my uncle did media mail me some empanadas. <laughs> empanadas are media i, love I mean media. <laughs> i don't think he understood that his the great deal he was getting on this was going to <laughs> send me green empanadas by the time they got to me that's pretty awesome um anyway um i didn't All right, like this say your movie piece. I, what's funny is so i spent like i don't know 17 months dreading this movie um, <laughs> I just, oh, I just knew it wasn't for me, right? And then the more I heard about what people were saying about it and listening to interviews about it, I was like, oh, I'm going to fucking hate this. And the thing is, <laughs> I don't hate it, but I definitely don't like it. I was more just like kind of baffled by it. It reminds me a lot of my reaction to the movie Joker, where mm. it was like this buildup of like, oh my God, people are going to shoot up theaters and oh, uh, it's a fascistic thing. It's a Trump thing. It's a this thing. And then you go in and it's, I when on that podcast, I used the term gray political. It's not like apolitical. It's not political. It's like sort of a mix of the two uh-huh. where it's trying to have the sheen of having a message, but it's also not really committing to one. And this movie is a little worse because the characters spend so much time delivering messages that you'd think at some point they would Mm. coalesce into a single moral philosophy or ethos, but they don't. Um, I I went to a nine o'clock Monday screening, uh, hoping that it would be empty so I could like 
spread out and not care. <laughs> but instead, it was packed. Man so, spread. Yeah, I wanted to man spread. What's funny is I was between two other solo male watchers, uh, and this was one of those screens where you you pick your seat in advance. And so I was. Oh, like, so Ben Shapiro was there. Okay. Yes. Cool. <laughs> if Ben Shapiro was either black or Asian American, actually, he might have just been. He might have just been uh, Chinese because at some point when he was looking at his phone in the middle of the movie, I looked over, and all of the characters were in Mandarin. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So that was weird. Uh, clearly, uh, all the way in the back middle section is where all of the guys chose to sit. Um, but so I was watching it and I was like, you know, I, I was charmed by the fact that a bunch of women showed up in like, you know, pink, uh, athleisure pants and like, you know, pastel velour tracksuit tops. And a couple even had like blankets and like the fuzzy, really fucking soft, comfy looking slippers on. There were so many rhinestones and it was one of the quietest theater experiences of my life. I don't think that anyone was really interacting with this movie in the way the movie was expecting them to. A lot of the laugh lines felt like they were more like nod your head in recognition lines. Like, you know, a lot of like, like present day late night comedy lines where it's not funny it's just nice that someone has said something that you also read on Twitter once. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it was just a real downer <laughs> of a movie to have to get through. And it felt like it, like the thing that I loved about the Lego movie was it understood the magic of playing with Legos. And I guess maybe part of the point that the movie was trying to make is that like, Barbie's too fraught to truly enjoy, but my daughter has what? two bar like that. It, the, the movie seems to be saying that because like they they go to this middle school and this tween calls her a fascist, and <laughs> all the Barbies are like, everyone's gonna be so happy that you did this, and she's gonna be like, I don't think we made things worse. It doesn't seem like it's working. But like, meanwhile, my daughter like has two Barbies. One of them I think is a gymnast, and the other one is a veterinarian. And she, like, plays with them and loves them and enjoys the shit out of them. And, of course, Yeah, but like, she's also seven. And that girl was, like, what, 14 right, or 15? but, like, that's the thing. Like, you're supposed to age out of dolls at a certain point. Uh, how dare you? <laughs> Robin maybe takes a little longer than usual. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, my mother texted me today because my daughter is in Texas with my parents. Um giving me plenty of time to have a slow motion nervous breakdown as I slowly do more and more home improvement projects. <laughs> um, I installed a fan in her room yesterday. Um, hope she likes it. Eh, what was I saying? Um, and she, so my mother texted me today and was like, so you saw Barbie, right? And I was like, yeah. She was like, well, do you think I should take Cora to see it? And I was like, fucking absolutely not. No, don't do that. <laughs> First of all, you're going to hate it, Ma. Uh, second of all, she's not going to have fun. Like there's nothing here for her. Like, even That's what was disappointing about it. I wanted it to be more broad Why? for all ages because because it is a brand that Barbie. is for children. It's a toy. Not everything so? is for millennials who have well, nostalgia. 
Right. Like the the current population that is loving Barbie in the way that I think Barbie is meant to be and the the type the type of people that you'd want to celebrate would be like my daughter's generation. Like when she watches the CG Barbie movies, I even said this to my mother. I'm like, "You're going to you're going to go and it, you're going to be annoyed cuz it it's you're a human being with ears and a brain and she's going to be annoyed cuz it's kind of boring." And the story's not very good and it's not fun. Like she watches these CG ones where like Barbie is hanging out with all of her friends and they're discovering the Do you watch Barbie Life in the Dream House? I don't know what I've watched. I like That you know, show so, is so good. Possibly then. Yeah, I don't know. I know that some of it's them are on Netflix. Some it's on them? Netflix. Yeah. If you're looking for like a really funny Barbie canon forward comedy. Like it's basically a mockumentary of Barbie life, and it's one of those CGI Barbie shows. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend Barbie Life in the Dream House. It is absolutely for children. Well, and I me. will tell my mother to do that because my mother was like, "Well, I want to take her to see a movie." I was like, "I don't know, go see Elemental." Like I have no con- or like Ruby Griffin Teenage Kraken. What is it? <laughs> no, don't take her to go see that. Jesus Christ! Is it not good? I know that it like doesn't exist. No, anymore, it looks it, it looks, looks like fucking splank. awful. Look, okay, but like my daughter likes Sing. You know, like I love the fact that she listens to Death Cab and thinks Totoro's amazing, but she is seven. She is going to like some terrible things. Well, she might like Barbie then. Uh, speaking of which, if you're going to the Death Cab for Cutie concert in DC in September, uh, look out for me and my daughter. That's going to be fun. Um, Jesus. <laughs> what do you mean, Jesus, Robin? <laughs> that yeah, poor that's, child. Yeah. You, you, you bought her a first edition of War and Peace, too, I'm sure. Yes, but she doesn't have to. No, that's to be presented. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay. Well, so first of all, she loves Death Cab for Cutie, and she loves Transatlanticism most of all. So that's good. Her favorite song is Tiny Vessels, which is not appropriate, but she knows every word and whatever. Um, Arthur, at some point at the distillery, was like, "So I couldn't figure out what to get your daughter for Christmas. I almost bought her an axe, and I was like, this is also like two to three years ago." I was like, why would you get her an axe? He's like, I, don't know, I feel like axes are useful. And what he and I came to the like final decision of was what we should do is we should get her an axe. But we should mount it high on a wall so that she can only use it when she's finally tall enough to retrieve it for herself. And um, mm. when I finally write... This sounds like a chair solution very oh, easily. Oh, that's true. So when I finally <laughs> write my, like, Viking fantasy novel, and that becomes a part of, like, the, uh, like, a trial into a- adulthood or whatever, you'll know where it came from. But anyway, so I don't <laughs> think this is good for children. Uh, the people in my theater audience maybe enjoyed it, but I couldn't hear them. The well, girls- you couldn't hear them over the whole audience crying no literally no one did anything at any point. oh my god my entire room was just like sniffling well you live with weak people um (laughs) i i got hit three times in the throat by sour patch kids yeah they knew exactly what they were targeting the patriarchy (laughs) they should have been targeting the dude next to me who wouldn't turn his fucking phone off um (laughs) the two girls on the other side of me who were removed by the other single man who was watching were hilarious though um, they gave me the only laugh line of the movie, which is when America Ferreira like pulls up and sees Barbie like in a car driving away and she stops her car, parks it and then gets out and then sort of half runs. <laughs> and they just said, why the fuck she get out of her car? <laughs> <laughs> 
And I laughed and I looked at them and I laughed again and then they laughed with me and then they were like, right, she's an idiot. I was like, she is. And then I went back to watching the movie. Um, I love how men look at each other, laugh at a woman and say she's an idiot at literally the I'm movie sorry, this, about women. No, I was laughing with the two women on the other side of a movie. Oh, they were women. Okay. Yes. Again, Robin, are you even listening to me? <laughs> no, Did another friend's really. grandmother die? Are you texting <laughs> someone right now? No, it's just like, I have a hard time. Like, this is just in my life. Like, somebody starts a story. I usually only really process it starting like one quarter of the way into the story so constantly like so i'm gonna make a chart that? there was man reading like chinese internet then there was me yes i remember that somewhere in front of me was a person who every once in a while would throw a sour patch kid back at me and i don't think they were targeting me specifically i think they were just bored and trying to cause mayhem um and then there was Another man, an African-American man sitting next to me, I would say probably mid-20s. And then there were two women sitting next to him. And these were the ones who had the super comfy looking slippers and were under blankets. Mm. And they were not having this movie's shit. They had a lot of they very were... funny things to say. <laughs> Bill, if you're trying to speak, you're breaking up and we can't hear you. No, I was oh, okay. <laughs> Um, I was I was gonna say this sounds like they were ready for a sleepover, but then they weren't enjoying it anyway. So right, no, they, that's the thing. That's why I I was like Heather, you're a genius because like, yeah, they 100 were like this is like a sleepover movie. Like I, if they had come out with like a thing of like guacamole face masks and some cucumbers, I would have been <laughs> like, yeah, 100. I get it, you know. But like, yeah, they they weren't having it. And again, like my whole theater was kind of like, eh, like. At some point, like a kid was crying <laughs> and I don't know, it was just, it was just a very bummer experience. And I couldn't understand all of the discourse that's been happening around it. Because to my eyes, it just wasn't like deep enough or interesting enough or also bad enough. Like it wasn't meaningful enough in any real way to be. So worth... like a woman, it just wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah, no woman can ever be enough to fill the hole in her. And what's funny is that, like, the Kens, <laughs> at some point it feels like the movie is like, you know, who's actually more interesting is Ken. And yes. <laughs> that and so, like, in that way, it's it, true. It becomes even stranger. And then, like, it mm -hmm. really leans into, like, like 20 year old sexist stereotypes about everyone. And then it's like mm -hmm. over and all of the characters are very skin deep. Like at some point I was like, well, oh, they did... are plastic. Well, uh, well, I was going to bring up America Ferrera and her, her daughter, both of whose names escape me right now. Yeah. I have no clue. I think it was Gloria, you know, shout out to Gloria Steinem and maybe. Oh, like, oh no, you don't. Oh man. No, that <laughs> oh, can't be no. right. Oh, it, was, it was, it was definitely Gloria. The, the, Shout out Sasha. part is not confirmed. All right, this Sasha, is like the, Sasha is named after a brat star. Gloria. Oh, I thought you were going to wow. say Sasha Gray. Yeah, why can't we? I want to see the sequel because you know this movie's getting a sequel. Ugh. I want Barbies versus brats. <laughs> yeah, that, that would, would be, be funny. Amazing as shit. But yeah, like, like so she comes into, the, like, there was a moment where the movie sort of felt like it was going to do something interesting that I liked. But then it like immediately was like, oh, hi, Gloria. Oh, hi, Sasha. Oh, it's your memories. Oh, uh, we've done it. And then it's like, OK, cool. Let's go save Barbie Land. And I'm like, that's it. We've gotten here already. The whole second act of this movie. I totally took five felt that minutes. way, too. 
Yeah, it, it was, um, I've been thinking Are about- Are we jumping into spoilers? <laughs> yeah, why not? Well, yes, spoilers. Yes. <laughs> oh, I've Excellent. Been, I've been thinking about Toy Story 2 and how um, there's that one um, montage that's so affecting about like sort of growing up and this this girl abandoning her doll. And to me, this movie in no way, like I never had that sort of emotional response to it. And I don't think this this movie was meant to be about like growing up and abandoning your your toys. But th- I didn't feel like, yeah, um, anything like that. And I, I think it should have been more like a Muppet movie. Like th- mm. it, there should have been more hijinks. Like the the yes. where Ooh, um, yes. we we had like Margot Robbie running around and Will Ferrell running after her. I think we needed a little more of that. Yeah, um, and like less sermonizing. Uh, like a billion times less sermonizing. Um, mm-hmm. It really sucks. I when... I get why the sermonizing w- was there because I think Greta Gerwig like kind of set out this impossible task for herself, and she's like just an overachiever and wanted to do all these things at once, like make this feminist movie that was also very commercial, that was also like inspired by a toy. And I, I don't like the whole IP thing. And I don't like, I partly don't understand why Greta Gerwig wanted to, to do this. Um, Even though I like, to be frank, she was approached. Mm-hmm. By Robbie. Yeah, but yeah. Like, you could say no. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but what I'm saying is, is that when Margot Robbie is potentially the star and she approaches you and basically is like, you can have carte blanche. I'm a producer on this. And I think I think it is a impossible task that she was like maybe I, I have a take on this and maybe I can do this really well and maybe I can get my partner involved and maybe we can do something fun with this. And I mean, clearly this made, what, $164 million in a weekend? Like, yeah. <laughs> did pretty fucking good. Yeah. It's, I, it's just weird to me to be like, we can do something fun with this and then we're all here being like, this movie's kind of a bummer. Like, <laughs> uh, No, no, we're I'm fucking not. But Bill <laughs> is saying... This movie's kind and of also ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, like you know, I mean, we, we also have to understand that, like, just because you did not enjoy it, and just because your audience, especially, did not enjoy it, it's also sitting at eighty six percent on sit here talking uh, like I on the audience. I, I understand the people who did like it, like you know, I I'm no, and, and that's only, fine. I'm but, a solipsist. What can I tell you? Yeah, and that's fine, but I'm just saying that this movie is a fucking wild success, and some of y'all here are being like, "Well, this movie's not a success," and and I that's that, fine that well, that's I'm not your opinion, not a success right? If you're talking about money. I'm talking about as a piece of filmed entertainment. My perception of it was that it is a failure because I can only figure it through my lens, and so yeah, I'm that's not going to be like. Clearly, a lot of other people liked it, so I'm going to just act like I do, too. No, that's not how this works. So, I don't know. Don't police my opinions. Well, don't tell me that I didn't enjoy this movie no, when I, I definitely I granted did. That you liked it, but Heather didn't. Okay, and that's well, that's <laughs> what I brought up. That's I, what I brought up. I think I'm just afraid that 
studios are going to take the wrong lessons from this. Absolutely. I think like, I mean, well, you know, like the I'm Lena excited. Dunham, Polly Pocket movie. Exactly. I yes, was excited Mattel about the aspects of it that like are, are original and that like, you know, everyone was excited to go to the movies and, and see this original um, double feature. But I think Hollywood is like, ooh, they, they love movies based on toys. Well, Let's greenlight a bunch of them. Right. And that's, that's like, you know, what, the, what they ne- it's like if like you watch Oppenheimer and it makes a lot of money and then it's like, oh, well, you know, are you excited for Dave Frankel's Sulk? And it's like, no. <laughs> Actually, that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you know, Warner Brothers approached me to write it. <laughs> so I uh, <laughs> okay. we haven't really even talked about the story. Like we've talked around sort of these elements of the movie, but I'm curious what people actually thought about the plot, because I I definitely struggled with it. it, it there were a lot of elements that I liked, like I liked the conception of weird Barbie. I liked Alan, you know, if you know anything about Barbie Ken and, you know, he is absolutely playing Alan. He's the, you know, he's Ken's like loser friend, um, <laughs> but it did what the film did not acknowledge. And I, again, it sort of come, it, it has a sort of snootiness to it is that Alan canonically and Midge are married. So the two redheads are married and Alan is the father of Midge's baby, but Midge, who I thought was going to be a character in this, is barely a cameo by Emerald Fennel. Right, because they just kind of make fun of the idea of a pregnant doll. Which so have- I, if that doll had come out before I was 12 or whatever, I would have loved that doll. So fuck off, Greta Gerwig. Well, I mean, and so also, the movie- I also love baby dolls. <laughs> the movie is Can't very like confused. Both? It, no, that's the problem. And that's why I was saying, like, this movie reminds me of Joker, because, like, it's not cohesive. Like, like me, Helen Helen Mirren opens up and is like, you know, uh, you know, they only had baby dolls. And it was something like, you know, being a mom can be fun, but not always like ask your mother. And then they have. <laughs> yeah, the kids, it was. And then they, they're like, oh, here's the pregnant one. Like, that's fucking weird. And then it wasn't that weird. It was cool. It was a cool toy z- design. Like, if you actually looked up what it was about like yeah you know some some barbies or some midges want to be moms right and then it was like the ghost of handler what's her name ruth 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 handler Handler. Handler shows up and is like yeah mom stands still so daughters can look back and see how far they've come and i was like that's a fucking weird thing to say like what like but then i think at some point someone possibly america ferrera also says like it's okay to just want to be a mom. And I'm like, not according to this fucking movie. Like, (laughs) like, and that's the thing is like, it's, it, it's taking these pot shots that it knows will get. Yeah. Again, not even a laugh, just like a knowing nod from the right kind of people. (laughs) If this were like a stand up set, you'd get a lot of clapter, but no one claps (laughs) in a movie. So instead it's just a lot of people like, you know, silently smiling and nodding their head. I guess the only thing I wanted to clap at seriously was when the Mattel logo showed up at the very beginning of the movie. Like my instinct was to be like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I so, think, what, no, no, I want Heather to go. Hold on. We um, all want Heather I, to go. <laughs> I think one reason that like there was such an emphasis on that is like, if you're trying to kind of prove that Barbie is, is feminist and not the enemy of woman, like the, 
one of her biggest feminist bona fides is that she's child-free and has never had kids. She's always been a career woman. So I feel like that's why they were trying to hit that point so hard. But I have read so many think pieces about this movie. And one of them was by this New York Times columnist who actually took Susan Faludi to see this movie. Oh, my fucking God. was hilarious. And Susan Faludi is like, yeah, this whole movie is haunted by the Dobbs decision. <laughs> like, there is so much, like, uncomfortableness around pregnancy and motherhood. So I, I think I'm with you guys that that message was sort of, like, muddled. But I mean, that... It's, it's, it's just... muddled and then, but like when she goes back to the real world, like there's a point where like some woman tells Ken like, yeah, the kids never take it out on the dad. And I'm like, I don't know. Have you like, were you ever a child? Like that's like, that's not true. <laughs> I just. Well, you, you have very unique It depends experience. on the dad. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is also has to be generalizations, right? But Comedy like is usually deals in generalizations and generalizations is pretty fair that people don't take it out on the dad. Like that's a generalization. It's not in everything, but it's a generalization. And that's where a lot of comedy ends up lying is in generalizations. It's true. But I think that the difference between like, comedy lying in generalizations and just generalizing is that you have to locate the comedy and is there anything funny about just I think saying it is. that like shouldn't you say something like you know they take it out on the moms because they know the moms have all the power like there, like there should be another step beyond just pointing out that the guys don't have to deal with it like that's what like comedy comes from drilling down and locating the reason behind the truth and so if you're going to well, say that, you should at least give it some motivation. I mean, I think I think it's it's a it's a fool's like errand to try and like nail down what is comedy, because my audience was <laughs> laughing out loud well, throughout this entire movie. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it, it was working. <laughs> so, you know, again, the this is this is this weird thing where, you know, Brian, you're not only did you not laugh at it, but also your audience was not very participatory in it. Heather, where are you from? It could be. Um, I mean, I I mean, you also live in in a political town, right? Like very close to the political sphere. What do you mean? Kind of. It's it's the fucking mecca of politics in the US. It's definitely where the politicians go, (laughs) you know, but it's like I live in the exurbs, you know, it's or I guess the suburbs. I don't know, which is closer. Well, that's to that's 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 where the people that can that like our normal workers can actually live and afford to be. Yes. But also like because it's a political town, like it skews heavily left. And, you know, if we were to try to figure out where this movie exists on a political spectrum, you would think that those would be their people. Unless it's the fact that my 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 area is a little more low income. So while they may be to the left, they're not the kind of like, I, I don't even know. You also it, saw like, it uh, arts at left that matters. You also it saw it so Monday worthy. at nine o'clock. Right, and also, like, you know, those are some fucking diehards. Like, it's not like it was like Saturday at two, which is like prime movie going time for people who have other plans going on. Like these people stayed up late on a weekday to go see this movie like that. To my mind, sh- this should be, you know. 
opening well, stayed night up late concert. stayed up stayed up late sounds like a dad phrase like nine o'clock on a on a weeknight right, may not be late for like 11 30 so like and you're bringing children <laughs> like this is <laughs> again were, were there a lot of children yes i said that <laughs> I, I don't remember you Why specifically no saying there were a lot of. Ch- uh, okay, I'm sorry, it's Jesus okay. Christ. I feel very. I, this is this is how Ken feels. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Well, oh, I it. also really enjoyed the the Ken plot line. Um. Mm-hmm. I I think I I love the aspect of like Ken going to the real world and observing patriarchy and and bringing it mm-hmm. back. I I thought that was super clever and well done. But to me, that feels like it should have been a really fun B plot. And instead, there kind of was no like A plot. Like, right. it, like it was just that. So she. It, I, I, th- like I think she the A plot, the A plot is her trying to figure out what is going on with her. Because like the whole plot of this movie, which we haven't really talked about, is that Barbie is suddenly losing some of her magic. She's getting cellulite. Her heels are touching the ground instead of like, you know, doing this. She's not perfect, perfect anymore. She's not stereotypical Barbie. And so she has to go to weird Barbie played lovingly and wonderfully by Kate McKinnon. Uh, She has to go to weird Barbie, who I guess at some point used to be stereotypical Barbie, but is now just relegated to weird Barbie. Her hair has been cut too many times and she's just does the splits all the time. Um, It's very much coded as queer Barbie, which I found very interesting. Sure. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, I, I can see that, as being fraught in in certain ways as well because it's like there's something wrong with her and it's like mm, oh mm, let's let's not read into that too much maybe um so i don't want to read it queer coded too much in that way but um you know that's that's not yeah, that be, for me to regulate fucked up if it was like well you know how people turn queer is when they get played with too much yeah it's like yeah Let's let's not do this. Let's not do this. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> anyways, so what she's got to do is go to Weird Barbie, who did escape at some point and yeah. like has made it back. No, she didn't, didn't right? she? No, they didn't really talk about she, that. But I guess you could that could be sort of implied as like, well, how would she know just, this stuff? She knows, and that's she's my like issue. It's, I just wish veil. it had been more <laughs> developed. Like. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, hold on. So, so hold on. So, Robin, you want it to be more developed, but you also want this movie to be for PG. You can like, have a PG like, movie what? that has rules. What? Like what the fuck <laughs> are you talking hold about? Bill? Hold on. I'm this, sorry. This the Harry Potter is, movies for the largest stuff part, and are then PG. ask us to hold on. Yeah. Okay. What? I don't understand. How does character development have anything to do with sexualization? What? Wait, how are we in sexualization now? We need to do a hard reset. <laughs> because you said, oh, well, you are contradicting yourself because you want to be more family no, friendly. I think he said, no, be- I think he was saying that children are stupid and can't follow rules. That's no, absolutely. It, not how, how about how about you ask the guy that actually said the thing no. to explain <laughs> what he <laughs> meant no if you want? <laughs> okay. No, I mean, you can have character development and Easter eggs and, you know, rabbit holes to explore in these kinds of movies in fact kids love 
flashbacks and origin stories. And, and, and that's rules. the whole thing. Oh, God, yeah, don't give me rules. another origin story. God, I'm so happy that this is not an origin story. Yes, like, I think so, too. It, is, it starts with her no. origin and it's her trying to get the magic back. And like, no, she literally it's not an origin story. I've seen so many origin so stories. This is not like that. Who she is I mean, and what she's she is. Pinocchio. It's absolutely some kind of origin story. But my, my point is, is like they could have done more cinematically to draw us into the peripheral characters or the side characters. And so much of that is glossed over. It's it, mm-hmm. it's it's definitely surface level characterization. And that's fine because you sacrifice that for other elements, but I wish those other other elements had been more cohesive. I wish the story had had a little more bite to it than becoming like men are from Mars, women are from Venus. <laughs> right. I mean, I like- think what what I meant by you like want this to be more complex is basically that you want it to be more complex and explore this in a, in a more complex way. I wanted to explore the story with more complexity, not necessarily the themes. But I think, I think that I'm trying to think how you asking for more, more complexity on this thing that is already kind of fraught. You're like, I want it more fleshed out. And I think that's going further away from it being more PG, I if that makes sense. Not that. necessarily that it's dumber, but just that it's already in this weird place anyways, that if we go further down that rabbit hole, right? Like, like just like the gynecologist thing and like you know (laughs) sorry yeah look i was about to say vagina and then i said china you know a gynecologist yeah Yeah, a gynecologist that's that's what they are right but you know like i think i think if we go too far down that rabbit hole then it becomes much more mature than what we kind of intend for it to be instead if we play it fast and loose it's still a little bit okay like this is fun right and and we don't have to think about it too much that's that was my point so my my i don't know my my um how would I fight back against that? I don't know. I'd say, like, <laughs> I'd say like inside out and just leave it at that. Like, you know, you can. Yeah. Make, and I think can... that's not, that's a movie that a lot of people were really kind of wringing their hands about whether that movie was good for kids or not. I don't. And ultimately, I think. But I'll take. I remember that a lot. I remember just like Soul. And okay, Soul like, definitely because... is like, <laughs> I'm still shocked that my daughter loves Soul. See, and that's that's what like that's what this whole conversation about like, oh, what like whether you should bring a seven year old or like stuff like that. Like, I feel like that's such a stupid question in a lot of ways, because it's like you you can bring. No, it's because you can bring a seven year old to anything. It doesn't fucking matter. It's I'm not going to take her to a porn theater like (laughs) who, who who makes the rules about should and should not. That's that's a weird thing to say. Like, I think kids kids are surprising in their ability to grasp onto concepts and ideas way beyond what we think they should be able I to. Agree that and they are we always to, underestimate kids. We are a, they are able to assimilate ideas. I don't know that they are always ready to wrestle with the concept. 
Sure. Like I, my but, I mean, that's that's up to you. Is from a very young age, unfortunately, but only recently has she begun to understand the reality of being dead. But you know? but like, I think the other thing so, is so when like when like she saw Inside Out and she understood that those were what emotions were. She really doesn't understand like some of the finer comedy about uh, like just like the the scariness of certain things and definitely not when they go into like the, the weird place where they get turned into like two-dimensional shapes but like she understands this like the purpose of sadness and like the purpose of joy and how they interact like those are and those are things that seeing that movie probably actually helped her to learn how to process and communicate her emotions even better Mm -hmm. So being complicated isn't bad and being complicated in a way that helps kids to give voice to and externalize their feelings is, is good and totally possible. And I think that this movie could have bothered to invest a little more in doing that than just trying to be like a didactic, uh, like professorial lecture written by someone from 2013 tumblr <laughs> spread out over the course of two hours you know and like yeah kids can absorb stuff and like she could have gone to this movie but again a i don't think she would have liked it because it's not particularly fun or funny in a way that she would enjoy it's not fun or funny for children right I, and, and my, i don't my... think that i would want her to even like hear most of the messages that this movie's trying to give her because they're weirdly retrograde and very, like, not even cynical. Like, they're they're very... Well, what is even, retrograde? I, like, just... You know, I just I just had something in mind, and now I can't even remember what it was. Like, America's Ferreira... I can't remember. Her name is Gloria, right? Gloria's mm -hmm. whole speech about how impossible it is to be a woman. Like, maybe if you're a woman who's already come to that in your own life, like, that's a thing that you want to hear or need to hear. But I don't want that to be a thing that my daughter is fed that she will believe because it's in a piece of media that is Yeah, but just because it's in a piece of media likes. doesn't mean that it won't come to fruition what, for her. Children have It's highly children. likely to come to fruition for it her may, as she yeah. ages. But it may not. And uh, when kids hear things from people, especially figures of authority and especially people in media that they like, they believe it is the truth. Like when she asks if something is fiction or nonfiction, she doesn't understand the concept of creating a whole cloth fiction that still maintains the bounds of reality. Like she says, I know this movie is fiction because dragons aren't real. Okay, yes, that is a good way to know that the movie is fiction. But And Barbies time, aren't real? If she were to see like... I don't know, like some some other children's movie, like uh, I don't know what's Stand by Me. That's not a kids movie. Anyway, if she were to see a movie with real live children, like Sandlot, she might think that that is not a fiction movie because it maintains a little more reality. But if she were to see a Barbie movie, yes, she would probably know it's fiction because dolls can't come to life. But she would still hear things spoken by people and received by other people in a way that makes them sound like universal truths. And would internalize that as the universal truth. I wouldn't describe that monologue as universal truth because it ignores 
so many dimensions of it's literally the thing what that brings intersects the with gender. <laughs> no, yeah, and that was fucking stupid. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> but that's the who problem. is ever who is ever convinced by an explainer? Not I. But what yeah, I that struggled... Vox article really awakened me. To... Exactly. What what made me struggle with that monologue was that it it ignores other dimensions of identity. And yes, it ignores it because you can't generalize about like everything related to class, race, gender, body, sexuality. Um, you know, the it, it's just impossible to include that. But then by completely ignoring it, it does become this, um, and I agree with you here, it becomes this universalized message when it is it is not necessarily a universal experience. And there are there are things I of course I related to in that. Um, but as somebody who has never felt particularly sexualized or has felt on the margins of just sexualization, I didn't relate to many of the points in that movie that were treated as fact. So I, I do agree with you, but maybe for different reasons. Right. And that's, you know, was that monologue coming from America Ferreira or was that monologue coming from women? That's the question. And is it supposed to stand in for women? But her character is not developed in any way oh that made God, her feel no. like she has an identity. Her and her daughter are, are okay. when I, when I said the characters in this movie were skin deep, thin, skin deep or whatever. And you said, well, they're made of plastic or whatever. I was talking about. I was including Gloria Ferreira. And, okay. But well, they're supposed to be humans. And what's I funny know. is I expect this movie to be Barbie coming out and learning that like her sunshine, wonderful place has to butt up against, you know, the harsh reality and complexity of, you know, the, the real world. And so she'll be like, well, women can be doctors. And it's like, well, some people don't think that they can be, or like, it's very expensive to become a fucking doctor, Barbie. Mm. Like <laughs> all this, like all this other stuff, like some women aren't going to get to be astronauts, Barbie. Where's went to a liberal arts school and now does data management, Barbie. Like, <laughs> and then she would have to come back to Barbie land and decide whether the, you know, what it means to know that is to give up or to continue to serve as a beacon and know that not everyone's going to live up to it and some people are going to hate you for it, but the ones who do get out are lifted because of the example you set. And then she makes her decision and then the movie's over and there's a song by, I don't know, Ariana Grande or something. Like Billie Eilish. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. Um, I did love those endings, that ending sequence or the credit sequence. That was cute. Oh, I left. I didn't I, see it. I think, um, oh, it was super cute. I think going along with that is like such a huge part of the Barbie conversation is like the unrealistic as expectations she creates like looks wise. Mm -hmm. And I, they really sidestep step that. And like with Margot Robbie being stereotypical Barbie, like, you know, they, the Barbies are diverse. There's, um, there are Barbies of different races. There are Barbies of different sizes. There's a trans Barbie, but you know, who still gets to be stereotypical Barbie and who still gets to be star of the movie, Margot Robbie. And like, that's, you know, there's a whole conversation to be had about representation and what it and they sort really of, means. But they sort of talk about that when they made when a little Sasha, joke about it. Sasha's like, whoa, like white savior Barbie. And she's like, well, your mom is the one who said it. I'm just saying what she said. And yeah, I'm like, is I, that a lot? Like, was that a joke? Like, is that a thing that people were gonna supposed to laugh at? Like, did people laugh at that line in your things? Yes, I live in Boston. Yeah. Um, I I think. Oh wait, just, I'm sorry, Heather. Did you say where you saw this? Oh, Brooklyn. 
Oh, yeah. Um, see, <laughs> we're just dirty Northeasterners. Y'all didn't see this in the bowels of PG County, Maryland, baby. <laughs> no, um, baby. Well, I just think that the beauty standards conversation and so much of being a, a woman and like internalizing the this like hatred of how you look. And I, I don't know, like, I think that's a lot of the stuff that Mattel probably wouldn't want to get into, but like it, it feels like they're, they're really, it's hard to be inspired by Barbie or I don't want to be in, inspired by Barbie necessarily when Barbie is still very fraught in that way. And I, I'm trying to think about the speech and what my issue with it is. And I think overall, I just wasn't moved by it. Like if yep. it wasn't. I yeah. I don't think it's well written. I don't it's think it's really well acted. Yeah. I think Pat, that the fact that it comes out of nowhere from this character that we really don't understand at all. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, she's a receptionist at this weird. What? This weird all male Mattel, which makes no sense because if you know anything <laughs> about Mattel, the people in the Barbie division are like mostly women and probably queer men. Well, I was also going to say like it was very Gilliam-esque. So like it, it, even in the real world, it didn't feel real, which like left the reality of the movie kind of up for grabs. And Ooh. then, you know, she's there. I, I don't she think this, the like, weird Malik-esque like reverie about like her daughter growing up and like. Oh, it no. was Malik-esque. That's such a good call. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, it was like a it was like a shittier, less interesting, less moving version of when she loved me from Toy Story Two. Mm -hmm. a, yeah. a, a moment that still makes me ball my fucking eyes out. <laughs> I never really connected with that movie. Maybe because I didn't see it at the right age i saw it what? like as a, an adult i mean I don't no you uh, i'm an adult and i <laughs> could watch that tomorrow and and cry my eyes out like no Here, that that movie's universally aged <laughs> also i i still have the teddy bear that i got when i was like in kindergarten so like that's what you have to know about me and my attachment to objects my sentimental so can attachment we to objects is very strong i want to go off literally of in my bedroom right now ew I want to go off of, <laughs> first of all, I'm pistachio. I am pistachio cream now. I've left peanut butter behind. I'm, first of all, the bear's I don't name know is what peanut that butter. Is. <laughs> what? I was talking about my childhood teddy bear, whose name is peanut butter. What were you talking about, Robin? I thought you were saying that you are having <laughs> a regression in your life. <laughs> and that you had the teddy bear and also okay. you are being okay. like a bachelor keeping do, peanut butter in your bedroom. No. Do <laughs> I, I have a question. What the, the group. fuck? Do I need to work on my communication skills or does Robin need to start taking cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> I, How about both? didn't okay, cool. compute to me. I was like, why is she saying ew about the fact that my teddy bear is in my room? My no, has... I'm like, oh, he's really like gone backward in his life now. No, I just hung a ceiling fan in my daughter's <laughs> he room. To, I'm more he of has to cuddle with something, been. Robin. He has yeah, to cuddle with something. Yeah, a jar of peanut butter and pistachio <laughs> no, cream. Two dogs that have no concept of personal space that I have to cuddle with. Um, so I want to contend with something that Heather was saying, which <gasps> is that Barbie, the, the, the way we, what we associate with Barbie visually is there's a tension in this movie because Margot Robbie presents as, you know, a beautiful blonde, tall, She's stereotypical doll. Barbie. Yes. And, and she, she mentions it in the, the movie, film, right? Let me just finish. 
the, the message yeah. of the movie is, but anybody could be beautiful and whatever. And it's, well, so and it's choose your choice feminism. I have, I have a question though. <laughs> yes. Okay. So she, were you done Robin? Not at all. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, you keep said going. It was choose your choice feminism. And I thought that was like, you're, you're like, boom, stamped it. I got it. No, I, what I'm saying is that there is absolutely attention in this movie. And yet, as Heather, you're saying it, it sort of sidesteps the the issues like it sort of, you know, it winks at Barbie as a negative or the stereotypes of, uh, you know, how how Barbie is controversial, which I as a child never bought. Like I was a fat, brown haired, Danny DeVito looking child. And <laughs> I never associate I never said I wish I looked like Barbie. I just never wanted to be that i i i wanted to be like arwen from you know lord of the rings like that was my that tracks ideal as a child <laughs> well let's not get into the Gollum poster in my bedroom um no let's i think we need to pause <laughs> where is it located could you see it from your bed when you were laying down yes oh, but wow. i was not that was not a sexual thing i just really loved Gollum. the fact that you said it's not makes me but, think so... it 100 was so you're That's, saying yeah. so you're saying you you ha- never had machinations to become stereotypical Barbie. Yes, yes. So that was I always just thought that was bullshit. Even as a ten year old, I was like, "Fuck these researchers who are making assumptions about who I am as a as a consumer." Wait, but, but, not in those. But words. is that is that not a generalization as well? And what do you mean? I'm talking about my own experience. Yes, but are I, you I understand familiar that. with like podcasting and expressing an opinion. <laughs> so so I, had, yes, I came out of this movie and I was like I am so ready to take my Barbie picture I want to show off my outfit I want to show off my pink and all of this stuff and the theater the multiplex did not have <gasps> one single Barbie poster not a single Barbie uh you know cardboard display like I was standing. so disappointed yeah. um I mean, this is the main theater in Boston. I was fucking pissed. So some lady took my picture. And well, you know, it's the main theater in Boston. Someone probably stole it. (laughs) (laughs) It was just annoying. And then I I looked at this picture and I'm like, I hate this picture so much. Like I have been going through a lot of what I would call like facial dysphoria after my surgery. I don't feel like I look like myself. I feel ugly i mean i don't i don't know if other people would describe me as ugly but i feel ugly and not all the time but like some of the time i mean it's it's bizarre to have a surgery like the one i had because so much of your facial features change and then you wait and you look in the mirror and you have you don't recognize yourself and it's psychologically it creates this dissonance like you what you think you're projecting to the world is not what other people are capturing or seeing. And it, 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 it's, it's a mind fuck. And so I saw this and I was, I just like started crying. I was, I was just like horrified by this picture. And I just kept thinking like, am I actually embodying the, <laughs> the tension of Barbie <laughs> like right now? Like I want to look like Barbie and I want to I want to be beautiful and, and, and I want to, and I, and I want to have my old face back. And it, it, the irony was just not lost on me that I had this complete 
spiral last night because I wanted the perfect photo and the perfect look and the perfect face. And instead I got like pig frog. And at least that's how I would describe it. It, it, it just made me, it, I don't know if I internalized Barbie as a concept or if this is just completely outside of the movie and it just happened to, you know, ha- inside happen to it. happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I it's, know. it's not just Barbie. It's like all of society. Like, like, I don't think I had a particular complex about Barbie, but there's definitely just this message that your, your looks matter so much. And, and Barbie is part of that. And I like this, this movie was for adults, but like for kids, we, we try to insulate them from those things. So that's the whole question of like, should we give children Barbies like th- that may subtly encourage them to hate themselves and like, well, they'll probably ask for Barbies and the world is so complicated, but it's, it's that whole, whole tension. So like, I just feel like that in this movie, maybe it's, it's too big a question to talk about, but I, I don't know. I feel like your, your experience had to be related, like just, or it, it just makes so much sense. What happened. No, I, I agree. And I, and I have blonde hair now and, you know, so much of my, and I just go this because this is related, like so much of my look for the past, I don't know, like 15 years of my life was very like my dark hair and my witchy nose and leaning into, you know, my leaning into like a like a goth thing. And and I still do have that in, in my life and my fashion life. But I think the last couple of years I've more embraced like like a bombshell kind of fashion. And and I would jokingly but not jokingly maybe call my my style like glam goth barbie whatever that even <laughs> means like that's just what i lean into you know clothing wise um but it i i don't know if the dysphoria is like totally about my face you know it could be because i don't have dark hair anymore it could be because i don't I, you know, dress with more colors. Like it's, everything's just seems to be kind of happening at once. Um, But, but I agree with you that it's not totally unrelated. You know, when you, when you dress up with, when you have blonde hair and when you wear, um, I don't know, like flare skirts or whatever Barbie does, like it, it's, it, it is all tied in. Um, but I've always kind of, I mean, I don't mean it's like a pick me thing, but I've always just kind of felt outside of that, like that because I'm a heavy set person or a fat person that I was just never like going to be a part of that conversation anyway. So it never mattered what people were talking about when they talked about um, those kinds Standards of, of beauties. Exactly. Yeah. It was just like, I'm on another island. Well, I, I think I think one thing that's interesting is, you know, Heather mentioned it and there is this idea that because of the shape of Barbie, right, her hips, her her bust size, her shoulders, all of this stuff, her her long legs, all of these things are are kind of 
giving the message that this is what you're supposed to look like when you grow up, right? That's that's the big distinction between Barbie and baby dolls is, of course, she's an adult and this is what you're supposed to look like when you grow up. I think the funny thing is, and and this film specifically touches on it, just look at Ryan Gosling in this film, who is probably in the best shape of his entire life um, and is just jacked abs the entire time. It looks um, like he was contoured with abs, like they put <laughs> him on. Uh, uh, looking at his arms, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say his uh, his vascularity. <laughs> Uh, No, no. Yeah. Like he's, he's definitely rocking at like low, low, like single digit body fat in this film. Um, And so I think what's funny is that if I think about some of the action figures that I had when I was growing up, they were all fucking jacked as hell. (laughs) They were, they were so muscular. They were so like, just Arnold Schwarzenegger like and I think to like my action stars I think to all of this imaging the comic book characters you know there's this joke about like all the beefcake that's happening in like all the Marvel films like they even fucking took your clueless boy Paul Rudd and were like <laughs> you have abs now right and they, mean, and they Camille have Nanjiani. that sequence like, hey, yeah look at Camille Nanjiani yeah, and he's not even in the fucking movie like showing off his abs and you just look at like the men's health covers and you're just like, holy shit, dude. And, you know, he's probably spent six months of his life getting into that shape and then, and you know, for like... Drugs. <laughs> oh, sure. Did, and, wait, like, is that and confirmed for, or do I need to cut that out? No, I think that's that's I, it's like pure, it's implied. pure gossip, but okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. if it's if it's if it's true gossip, we can leave it in as gossip. So. It's gossip that he took uh steroids. Gotcha. Yeah, I, no, I, I don't I mean, you meant heroin. I figured okay, <laughs> no, and, and that's what a lot of people in the 90s think. took to get thin. Heroin, great, I'll do that. That's how I'll get <laughs> I mean, there. is it we can't say that like we think certain actors are on ozempic either like is that i I don't uh, know maybe they are who knows i mean ken looks like he might have taken ozempic to get like you know that last bit of fat off from around there i don't know uh you'd be amazed what you can do with a with a strict diet and you know someone actually creating your meals for you and a a personal trainer for for three three hours a day you have yeah exactly I was going to say, you know, you were were talking about the action figures and everything, and I just knew I'd never have as, like, you know, strong and concave and lustrous a shell as Donatello, and I just had... Well, I mean, even Donatello has abs, right? Like the, he's, he's got abs. the turtle they abs. Have, like, biceps. I think like that's a shell, though, right? That's like a segmented shell. I don't know if it's abs. Yeah, it, it's designed in a way that okay, makes yes, it look like abs. Your abs are under there, <laughs> and, but you could totally tell he's got them. They're yeah, tumbles. they and, gotta have and, good core strength. Have you seen the tumbles they do when they're flying through the air? I, I think I think that's the funny thing is that in some ways, and and I'm not gonna sit here and be like, you know, masculinity is like stronger or whatever. Like that that's that's a bunch of bullshit because like the messaging that guys get throughout most of their life is very different than what females get, um, just as a generalization. But I think it is interesting to think like I never looked at those action figures and was like, oh, yeah, that's what I want to look like or that's what I should look like. It was always just like, 
Well, they're just showing peak human form. Like if you look <laughs> at the female action figures of that time, the Jean Grey's, you know, good characters like that, you know, it was it was like, holy shit, a, a human body does not bend like that. Not even a ballerina bends like that. And, you know, these women are striking poses and they even touch on it in uh, in the newest Spider-Man movie where uh, Scarlet Spider is like doing these ridiculous ridiculous poses and he's like commenting on it and you know all this stuff so you know there's this this weird messaging that just children get in general that i think some people are able to just kind of shrug that off right and be like oh i never i never felt like that and then some people are like oh no it was very oppressive and i absolutely felt that and i i think it's interesting how some people are just affected by that yeah, yeah, I I think um, by and large, like women are more affected by that. Um, mm-hmm. Like I definitely, you can't say that that everyone was, but it it's like a a bigger part of I don't know, like that. It's just a common thing. <laughs> what What would you yeah. say is a common thing? Like. You said it. I would like to like drill us back down into naming it. <laughs> um, thinking that you have to look a certain way and just really like, even if you don't think of yourself as one of like the pretty girls, just like kind of the whole idea that, that your looks matter so much. I mean, partly it's just a problem with like Society. humanity and, and media, <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, I was going to say, like, you know, yeah. it, it, like, just you could look at, like, the way that we treat, I don't know, like, politicians' wives. Like, mm-hmm. you know, for, for whatever reason, like, nobody loved Melania Trump, but for some reason, DeSantis's wife is getting dragged because she's, like, a lesser Melania Trump. They're, like, calling her, like, Walmart Melania. They're, like, making fun of her eyebrows and stuff. And it's like, this is what we're doing? Like, I thought mm. we were out of this. Like... There were, oh, like, please, the, honey. You're so naive. The biggest, the biggest, uh, and like, you know, it's, it's getting just like blown up in the media. And like the biggest fights that I saw amongst liberal people were when they would fat shame Trump and then someone else would swing in and be like, hey, it's not cool to fat shame. Doesn't matter if he's a fascist. And they'd be like, no, fascists should be like totally fine to be fat shamed. And therefore, I guess we can make fun of women's appearance. And then it's just like... <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, it doesn't, like, are we doing this or are we not doing this? It's so, it's so, it's so crazy. And, like, I, I do, I don't want to say that men never go through it because, like, I had, I, I was going to say I had an eating disorder. I, like, attempted to have an eating disorder, which is a fucking weird thing to say. So when That's I, a stand-up bit. Yeah. So, like, in high school, right, I moved to Texas and suddenly... These people, I, I had grown up in Maryland for 16 years. These people knew me from childhood, right? So, like, they had some grace for me or, like, they had a lot of context, right? So I didn't have to be, like, super thin and fit because these people were like, that's Brian. He's a stand-up guy. He, like, gave me a juice box once, you know? <laughs> I, moved, I moved to Texas and none of these fucking people know me. And they're all making up their mind by looking at me. 
because they don't have they don't know that like we used to hang out you know in in the third grade or we never used to go hunting tadpoles at the river you know like they just got nothing and i'm 16 now and everyone's hormones are going crazy and i'm like i've got to get in fucking shape you know and i wasn't like i was on the large side i don't know that i was technically obese but i was like i got to do something and so i started working out and that was fine and it was helping but I wanted it to go faster because I was new and I was like every hour that I'm amongst these people not being like desirable to be seen with, I am further socially isolating myself. And so I, 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 tr I ate so much less and then I attempted bulimia and I could not fully make myself throw up. Mm. I tried, I will say so hard, probably not that hard, but like. I've never been able to successfully induce vomiting through sticking my fingers down my throat. Um, oh, which means that poor, if, poor I ever, <laughs> if I ever get poisoned, I am going to die. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to do... What was the thing that he did in Casino Royale where he just emptied a salt shaker into a water glass and then drank it? I'd have to do that. But that's not what I'm looking to do if I'm trying to become bulimic. You know, that's a lot of work and my parents <laughs> are going to wonder where the salt is going. So I tried to do that and it didn't work and so i just had to go with extreme diet and exercise and again like that's that's me i'm not just like you know and i'm sure that there are other men out there who've had problematic i mean it's it, i think stuff, but like eating that's... disorders are very common among men and, and common among both uh queer and straight men it's it's kind of an un an untapped issue like we, mm -hmm. we we don't talk about it enough for sure well yeah i mean like a, a you know a lot of men's issues don't get talked about part of that's because men don't want to talk about it because like, <laughs> men don't talk about it <laughs> right like but also like what, men have what like we... what the highest suicide rates oh my god yeah first of all from my personal friend group for every four successful men there's been one successful woman so you know i don't know oh in terms of suicide oh fuck yeah um, okay. My male <laughs> like, friends oh. have successfully yeah, that, killed themselves yeah, at a like, rate than my female yeah. friends. I mean, um, that's uh, that's a lot of suicides, dude. That is, that's that's actually crazy that you've you've had five <laughs> friends who have killed themselves. Yeah, and then of course there's like the sort of friends who killed themselves, and then there's mm -hmm. the people who like really tried and either like tried specifically. Um, but got stopped or were trying through a series of poor choices. Like my friend who like got super drunk and then drove his car into a brick wall. Um, he's still with us. Good for him. Um, yes. Hmm. So anyway, uh, yeah. I, what I, I feel <laughs> that's yeah, so go ahead, bad. Heather. And I, you must be an outlier. Like that, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I know I really zero friends. So. <laughs> Um, and I'm I'm sorry that that's like been surrounding all you like that. That would really cast a pall. <laughs> yeah, again, you know, yeah, that does it does cast a pall. I don't know what to tell you. You are not incorrect, madam. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like I was saying, like you know, those are people who probably could have deal done with talking to someone <laughs> at some point, and they either did and um weren't believed or we thought it would be fine or they were probably mocked about it and you just learn at a certain point to shut the fuck up because no one wants to listen to your problems 
which I guess is like halfway where I am now, except I've got a podcast. So now everyone has to listen to my problems <laughs> unless Jordan tells me to cut them but out. That's what's kind of nice, though, is like you you are open in ways that unfortunately many men aren't. Um, yes. And you are, quote unquote, in touch with your feelings even if your feelings are objectively wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say horrible. Wrong is so much better. <laughs> your, hor- your feelings are terrifying and horrible. <laughs> if you were a hashtag, you'd be girl dad. <laughs> oh, I bought her. I've talked about the book. What? There's the book, Girl Dad. No. Oh my God. We were in Target and my daughter was really good while I was doing other stuff that whole day. And so I was like, let's go get a book from Target. Like we were in Target already. I was like, let's go to the book section. You can pick out a book. Oh, okay. I was I was like, that's a weird place to go. Well, also, Bill, I live next to like a major state university. There is not a bookstore within like 15 miles of where I live. It's fucking nuts. We're, um, we're all fucking doomed. For real. I went to a Barnes and Noble the other day and just like existed in it for an hour. It was the best. I felt like I was returning home. And then I bought two weird books and I can't wait to read them. But um, yeah, so we went and there's a there was a book in Target called Girl Dad. And she picked it because it was like one of the few books that had a picture of a father and a daughter on it. Um, The funny thing. So the book is all about like what a girl dad is. Like it's a dad of a girl and he like is a princess or a pirate and he like figures out how to do your hair and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's legitimately a girl dad. So she's having a lot of fun with it because she's seeing her experience reflected in it. But it was the day that her mother was coming over like in the evening and would would like put her to bed and read her story. And of course my daughter wanted my mother or her mother, my ex-wife to read the book girl dad to her, (laughs) which was hilarious. Um, She got out of the room after reading my daughter, this book and broke down crying. And I was like, Oh, okay. Wow. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, it's a cute book. I recommend it to everyone. Uh, Girl dad, check it out. That's my plug for girl dad. Uh, but yes, I am a hashtag girl dad. I figured out how to braid hair the other day. I can't do a French braid. That looks like it's going to be complicated. But French braids are really hard. I it look, But they look really good. And I think with they my do. daughter's hair the way it is, I think the French braid is the way to go. So I'm going to, I guess I just got to like tell her to sit down and give her a popsicle and like make her let me try to do a French braid. I don't know. Well, something they they used to have a thing called life size Barbie, where (laughs) which I had, yeah. But the the main appeal was that, or my size Barbie. Yeah, it was my size Barbie. Was she had a whole head of hair that you could do? So I feel like doing Barbie's hair on that scale was like one of the main arguments for my size Barbie. You know, I feel like I need to get like a head and like a wig, like you'd have it like a barber's college. (laughs) Um. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's tough and it's interesting. Um, I don't even know what we're talking about right now. I don't know how we got here. Uh, <laughs> we could talk about the Supreme Court if we can, um, because what, that's one thing that Supreme I Supreme Court. Uh huh. Because that's one thing I loved. Oh. I love that <laughs> because it was talking about how powerful the Supreme Court is, and you know all of this stuff, and how that there are none that look like them anymore, and all of this stuff, and. I don't know. Like I've long held the opinion that the Supreme Court is one of the most powerful people in the entire world, um, mm-hmm. especially in the U.S. And it's kind this of fucked film, if you think about it, it is really fucked. And you know, uh, 
God bless RGB, but uh, or RBG, but she kind of fucked that up. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, we're living in that world now. And I think I think this film's like kind of, you know, pegging that as like a major like thing. Right. Because n- nobody talked about the Supreme Court like they do now you know, 20, 30 years ago. It just wasn't a thing. Um, well, yeah, all a, throughout the early 2000s, it slowly started to amass more power as people realized that they could get around legislating mm-hmm. by attempting mm-hmm. to change accepted interpretations. Yep, and just yeah, sending like it up to courts. Yeah, like the 2000 election. Yes. I'll so I, 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 thought, I thought that was a great like call out by Greta to kind of or Greta and Noah, um, whoever wrote that um, specifically. But I love that. Um, and then the other thing that, that in, made me. Im- but I, yeah, that's just <laughs> me. I don't know what other people felt about it. I didn't even register to me. <laughs> Once Never. again, <laughs> um, actually, one of my favorite jokes in the movie was when in the real world, they see the Miss Universe poster. Oh, yeah. Like, that oh, that was was like, it's the Supreme Court. That was funny. I found that to be funny. I found the introduction of the Supreme Court and the argument that that one Barbie made. I, I like it was so roll your eyes kind of like, again, is this funny? Like, is anyone like. Were people laughing in your theaters? I wish that I'd been in a more engaged theater so I could understand. My theater. I don't remember if people were laughing specifically at that. I think that was kind of supposed to be annoying the the way the woman, um, the lawyer was like. Oh, I hope so. (laughs) I feel personal about this, and I am sharing. Right. I I am being emotional, and it doesn't diminish my power. I can hold like logic and whatever at the same time, and I'm like. I mean, I thought that was a joke. It was funny. Oh, I thought it was a joke that was fucking terrible. Like, again, I, I <laughs> hated it. you hate women. I do hate women. <laughs> They're the worst. Um, <laughs> I'm very upset that I am a girl dad. Let me just go back on <laughs> I need a I need a son dad. <laughs> no, I need The other thing that I dad. loved. Or it was a be a boy dad, the... right? Oh, yeah, that. Like a boy king? <laughs> Ew. The, the other thing that I loved was also that the husband of America Ferreira is uh, learning uh, Spanish and using very notice, notably like an app, like he's talking to his yeah, phone like and like you, it's, it's exactly like Duolingo. And Erica makes fun of me all the time because I'll be doing Spanish lessons uh, right before bed. And so she'll come in and I'm, you know, saying bolygrafos and like all of this stuff. And so she just oh, looked at me and I looked at her and we just died laughing for like three minutes because I felt very seen in that situation, even though I'm fucking Mexican and she is not. I was about to say, and that feels like she should not be mean about that because that's your culture. well yeah but also like i do it in a way that like you know like just saying saying language out loud to an app and for it to go <laughs> ding is just you know there's just something rewarding and funny about it also i don't speak it very well so that's part of it as well it's just like yeah um i read that that was america Ferreira's real husband oh (laughs) (laughs) we're like okay skinny dude (laughs) yeah like kind of dorky looking white guy 
my type. Yeah. Oh my mm-hmm. god. Yeah. Actually. No, I, he's I not tall. Asked, like, <laughs> Robin is—is is that your man? Like. Uh well, Alan is absolutely my man. Oh, yeah. I Number love. One. I love that they let him continue his choreography from Scott Pilgrim versus the world. They were just like, Hey, you remember uh, some of your punches and kicks? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> Play choreography down? Can we- I could still do that. <laughs> yeah. I, sorry, but I, I agree with Brian in the sense that the, unfortunately the Ken's were the most interesting thing. Um, Cause like, they're like an unhoused, like slave <laughs> cast. Like, I don't know. <laughs> they're the ones more than anybody that doesn't have like an actual storyline right like like barbie's definitely had her yeah and and they exist just to service barbie that's it like you know a lot of people make fun of ken apparently that's like a big thing where ken i remember listening to a podcast and they were talking about that their parents bought her a kin and she was like what the fuck is this for like what Aww. why are you, why are you buying me again well yeah she did not feel the same <laughs> i also had a lot of the disney kens i don't even know if they're made by mattel but like aladdin always was always they were not well they, okay. they lost that licensing at some point yeah um, i definitely abused my beauty and the beast one he had long hair and I just, I guess I, re- I reacted to that. Maybe I didn't think men should have long hair. And I, I was wow. really, I turned him into like weird Barbie, except he was weird. Beast. <laughs> weird Ken. Yeah. And, but he, he was the, he was this doll that had a beast mask. So he was sort of like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. Oh, take I thought the you were going to say Vanilla Sky. <laughs> no, he could take the mask off. He'd take the, turn it on. And, and he turned into Prince Adam. He had this long blonde hair and I just, I just abused him. But then I also had Aladdin, Ken, who was not a Ken, who he he had a, a fez that was like plastic and part of the mold of his head. So he just always, he was my designated um, wedding officiant because I just <laughs> pretended that he was a rabbi. <laughs> he would just do all of the weddings. Um, I had a doll that was supposed, that was Jasmine, I had Jasmine and her head would always fall off. Like her head always fell off. So she would just always play Vashti in my (laughs) store. Like, I don't know why. I guess I was doing a lot of Bible like reenactments. Uh, Anyway. So I had a point to this. Uh, Oh God. Alan. Oh, Alan. Okay. So the thing about Alan is that he, he, his character has always been in the Barbie canon He's Ken's friend. Midge is Barbie's best friend. Midge is like the ugly redhead friend. And <laughs> Alan and, and Midge, um, you know, are a couple. And eventually, like, they get married and have children. And she becomes, like, pregnant Midge. And in my storyline, I loved my Midge doll, by the way, because I had a huge redhead face at that point when I was, like, 12. And in my storyline, Barbie was, like, the Ariana Grande of <laughs> this world. And so she was, like you know, couple friends with Midge and Alan and then slowly seduced Alan <laughs> and he left her for Barbie. But then Barbie was like, uh, no, it was just, wow, what the fuck? It, it played out. <laughs> what? You didn't, okay. So you guys didn't have like very adult storylines. I feel like that's the trope of Barbie is that everybody 
use their Barbies to like learn about sex or or drama. I mean, or that whatever. is like the oh, like some really a thing. There was like a viral tweet like if the Barbie movie were anything like when I was a Barbie person, like there'd be a lot more scissoring. <laughs> right. And I, I know that like I don't, I can't remember. So I feel like I used my sister's Barbies sometimes, like when I just needed more bodies. Um, <laughs> I don't know, because like I had the the Ninja Turtles. I think I had like one GI Joe. I was not a big GI Joe person. I had a lot of stuffed animals because I loved animals and I wanted more pets. Um, the Army Men. Uh, Congratulations, as an adult, you have a lot of pets. Oh my now. god, yeah. Now I'm like, uh, my parents are right. This is fucking too many animals. Um, what else was I gonna say? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't feel like my storylines with that adult. Uh, there was a lot of war because again, the Army Men. Um, war and peace i had yeah i then read war and peace and i was like let's do the the battle of borodino um actually this is people are gonna make fun of me for this but it's fine uh when i saw les miserables uh the musical um i then used my cowboys and indians and my army men and my jurassic park figures to restage the battle at the barricades <laughs> um i thought that hold was on cool. hold on so you're saying that you don't want your daughter to see Barbie movie, but you saw Les Miserables? I don't understand as a kid, connection, but sure, yeah. <laughs> it's not about as the a kid mature- and enjoy- it's, it, and enjoyed it's, it? it's not about the, <laughs> the, uh, the maturity of the storyline, because she's yeah. seen plenty of things that were considered mature. Loved like Minari. <laughs> <laughs> did she love grave of the fireflies we have um, not watched that yet she loved minari though i remember i still think fondly to when she asked if we could watch minari again and i was like you Aww. weren't supposed to watch it the first time i thought you were gonna fall asleep at some point point. and instead i had this like five four or five year old i can't remember how old she was at that point saying what did they say why is she crying and i just had to like tell her the entire story the whole time and then when it was over she said that was really good let's watch it again Oh, I know she's the best. It's really, I think, what you're saying, Brian, is that it's it's the messaging of the film and the way it's constructed that you'd think right. I don't she think, would not respond to. Yeah, I don't think she would be particularly interested in it. Um, and I don't know that I like. Yeah, I think that the messaging is pretty bad. <laughs> and yeah, I don't. I don't think I'd want her to watch, you know, The Dark Knight either. Like that's a little messed up and crazy, and I think a little too morally complex for her. But like. She's seen plenty of other things that I'm like, this is great. Perfect. We'll see if this movie ages. Uh, I like milk in a trunk in Dallas in July. (laughs) Like, I'll be curious if people are like, oh, it's such a classic. Like, I know it's getting good reviews, but I do. I do wonder how how, what its legacy will Mm -hmm. be beyond the cultural experience in the moment. But Robin, you also bring that up about a lot of these like comedy films too, right? I bring it up about movies that rely on pop culture jokes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I'm include like I, for example, I really love This is the End, which is a movie that came out 10 years ago. And I kind of wonder if that movie will be as good on second viewing oh, because probably not. Like, because so it's it's so tied to the the cultural moment it was in. Right. Like, I'm not going to remember something that James Franco did, and like half that movie isn't going to make sense to me. The the there there is the hope though that you become like the Looney Tunes, where people think that it's like Bugs Bunny, and he's no actually really doing like Groucho Marx or Cary Grant, but he's like embodied them so fully 
that like you almost forget where it came from. But I don't think that's what this movie is going to do. <laughs> that's not, I don't think that's what it's going to happen with this. I, I think it'll probably hold up. But, you know, I, I also think Role Models is still hilarious to this day. And I've seen that movie. And that's got a lot of contemporary jokes. Like, a lot. But... You know, I don't I don't my... worry about that. Like, like if a cell phone's used in a movie, I'm not like, oh, no, you know, it's just it is what it uh, is. It's like like when I watched uh, Red Eye last night because I'm on a Killian Murphy kick, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I was like, oh, look at those old cell phones. <laughs> are those those mm-hmm. those are the fa- the plain phones where you have to zip your credit card through them. This movie's crazy. Mm-hmm. Dr. Phil. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I am. Um, yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm, it's interesting that Bill brings up the question. He's like, "Yeah, I did see Les Misérables probably too early in my life." But like, I think that the like the moral and ethical through line of that show <laughs> is very strong and makes a lot of sense. And I don't think I'd have a problem with my daughter uh, taking that in. I don't think I'm going to put to it, but wasn't <laughs> one of y'all's complaints. Though. Wasn't one of y'all's complaints that this is too surface, that it, it doesn't actually make a point that it, it, it kind of half asses it. Yeah. That's the, that's the issue though. Like it's, it's like the reason that kids love fairy tales and fables is that they are very strongly tied to the message. Like, you know, you don't, you don't read Hansel and Gretel or, you know, the ugly duckling or all of these things and go, I wonder what that was trying to tell me. No, like you very quickly determine the point and the story works to f- fill that point in, which is why a movie like Inside Out can be so bonkers bananas complex. But when its end point is that the concept of sadness is like a social utility and you shouldn't be afraid to feel it. And you should embrace it in moments where you need it. That connects with a child and it makes sense. And it's universally applicable, basically, as much as anything can be. And that's brilliant. And this movie is trying to say so many things and it's doing it poorly. And it's not doing it with any like structural, formal or moral unity. And it's kind of contradicting itself a lot. And Mm -hmm. so I just don't know what it's doing so that's again like maybe when she's 13 there'll be like 20 percent of this movie that she thinks is good enough to carry the rest of it through but right now like for a child i think you need some more simplicity like the lego movie is all about not not adhering to dogma and allowing creativity to flourish and not being too rigid in play really like that's what that comes down to for all of its talk about the craggle And, you know, going to this weird outside real world, like the whole point is like, don't glue these pieces down, allow some Mm -hmm. off the cuff creativity and you're going to create magic. Like, that's great. Perfect. Put it in a box. Mm -hmm. I've bought it. I don't know precisely what this movie is trying to say at any given point. It's very confused. I won't even say confusing, (laughs) but it's just... Confused, I, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. say it's confusing, but it is confused. But like, you know, that like, like for instance, uh, she's sitting at the bus bench, right? And she's she's like becoming real for 
whatever reason i can't remember how or why she like just sat there in silence to like um get the memories of the kid and then she looks around and she sees like the breadth of human experience happening and then she turns to this old woman and she says you're beautiful and the woman's like i know it and they they're so happy and it was actually like a cute moment and then the rest of the movie happened um but then there's (laughs) a point where she's like in the house and she says that she's ugly and i'm like oh I wish that I understood how we got here from her <laughs> being this kind of beatific, monas- monastic, you know, <laughs> like mother of Mary, perfect woman sitting in a park bench proclaiming that a woman is beautiful to laying on a floor and thinking that she's not. I, like it. And, and like, does that matter? Like at that point, what does she believe beauty is? Like there's just there's so much that should be happening that's not to connect these moments. Just like we don't know enough or really anything about Sasha and Gloria. And yeah, I think that like my my daughter loves Coco. You know, that's a <laughs> You're gonna say she loves Coke. <laughs> uh, she does love Coca-Cola, even though I refuse to let her drink that much of it. Um Cocaina. Yeah, no, she does not love Bolivian marching powder. Um But like she loves Coco, right? Because Coco is built on these familial connections and these like concepts of like love and obedience, but also wanting to carve out your own place in the world and like comes to a place of, you know, remembering the people who are near to us and that's how we keep them alive. And that's like some complex heady shit, but she gets it. And I just don't know what message she would get out of this movie. And I don't know how much work I'd have to do to clean up its mess. So until the point where she's, absorbed more better media to start forming her own sense of self and moral boundaries. I'd rather not have something confused and half baked in there rattling around like a misfit gear (laughs) fucking shit up. Does that make sense? What did y'all feel about Gerwig's past films? Love them. Um, yes, I, I love them too. I, I think, uh, I became a huge fan of hers um, with Frances Ha, and and I love yes. Lady Bird also. I I think mm-hmm. I liked but didn't love Little Women. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I liked a lot loved, of that movie. I loved Lady Bird and Little Women, so I think Lady Bird definitely was in my top five. Uh, Little Women was definitely in my top five uh, that year, and then out. I'd probably say that this is, especially with everything moving right now, uh, this will probably end up in my top five. Right, most because likely. in wow. three weeks, there won't be any more new movies. Um, I thought yeah. the ending of this movie had like reminded me of Little Women in some ways, except I feel that I understood the Little Women ending more than I understood this one. Well, this, this is also like, like an adaptation like of, a, of a book, you know, yeah. Um. But like the way, so she doesn't want to be like the idea anymore. She wants to be the person like imagining the idea or writing the story. And I think especially with how Greta Gerwig interpreted Little Women, it it was very similar and sort of prizing the idea of like telling your own story and writing your story. And I, I just, I get that for a writer, but I don't understand like... Yeah, I guess Pinocchio makes it make a little more sense. But what is the message of like this doll 
wants to be real, but most of the dolls don't get to be real. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, you know, I have literally no idea. I, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, un- again, like, unfortunately, like the, the story of this movie was so to me, I will say poorly communicated <laughs> that at the and, end, and, I didn't, and that- I didn't really know. I didn't really know what had happened. She goes Another off at the ghost of Ruth Handler. They have this weird <laughs> who is in who is absolutely coded as the blue fairy in her blue sweater. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I'll just uh, I'll take it as writ that you. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like they have this whole conversation in this like weird color shifting room, and I was just like, are we really having another fucking conversation like this? Like this is insanity that we're once again <laughs> grinding this movie to a fucking halt. To have the and then she says like the thing about the mom standing still and I was like, I don't even know how I'm supposed to take that. I know my initial feeling was anger, but I was like, <laughs> it can't mean what she's literally saying. It must mean something else. Because like in it's basically like Yoda saying in the Last Jedi like we are what they move beyond or grow beyond or whatever. But that's like. That's like different than your mom stands still. Like, what does that mean? Like she has a baby and stops evolving. And so you can look back and see how like shitty people used to be. Or is it like, I don't, I literally can't, can, can anyone give me a good reading on what that line means? I'm loving the silence right now because like I will, I'm just going to say, aside from a very obvious and at this point unspoken exception, I am surrounded in my life by very strong, engaged mothers who are doing anything but standing still and are constantly evolving for and around their children and are pursuing things both within and without their like title of motherhood. Like I'm, I'm surrounded by capable women who are doing more than anyone could have ever dreamed of and are helping to propel their children forward through their own forward inertia. It's like when you're in space and if you launch off of something that's already in motion, you're taking its energy and then multiplying it by whatever you're doing into it. Like that's what those people are. And I don't know who hears that person saying that line and feels good about it. So once again, I ask, does anyone know what that line meant? <laughs> I, I didn't write down the end of this movie, so I don't I don't have anything to kind of say to that. So well, it's I think of- what I took away from it was not so much, in many ways, the specifics of this movie. Like, I I it was the overall feeling. There there is something for me joyous about it and i think that comes down to the the standout performances which i find very funny she says so somberly and (laughs) and just how visually brilliant it is so as fucking whiny as i have been about this i i give it three and a half out of four stars like that is that half star of disappointment encompasses a lot but it does not fully (laughs) represent how much I did enjoy and, and have a good time at the theater watching this movie. 
But so what you're saying is you don't know what that line was about. <laughs> to go No, back what to I'm saying is like, well, yes, I, I think ultimately that is my response to that, which is like, I wasn't fully like deep in the dialogue as much as I was like, I am having a feeling right now. Mm-hmm. I think especially since Margot Robbie doesn't have a mother in the movie, mm. it, like... So what is the lesson to to her specifically? I I, I literally don't know. <laughs> but isn't Ruth Handler sort of uh becomes she's, the godfather. she's the godfather. Yeah, she's the god yeah, the god mother. She's the godmother. The fairy godmother. <laughs> Remember the god I mean literally it or bad. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, that was fucking bad, annoying because these... it's like I fucking love the Godfather. It's, well, that I also... get the joke. I get the joke that it's like a man movie and men are always like mansplaining the Godfather. But like I am also explaining the Godfather. Okay. Well, here's yeah. So to that end, it is it is bananas. But you also have movie. a podcast. <laughs> yes, and one day we'll do the Godfather. And I have Robin become the patriarch. <laughs> I, yeah, um, and so, I also wear mink coats, so I guess I am. Ken. <laughs> yes, well, I mean that's like, who we all want to be. Wait, wait, so, so my like, I have, I have a couple issues with the whole Ken. Like, let's let's get our power back from the Kens thing. Is that so? Like, someone, someone, I'm not going to say who, in our Slack <laughs> said something along the lines of like, I left Barbie, and there was a guy explaining like format differences to his girlfriend. And, oh, aspect ratio guy. Yeah. And I responded by saying, oh, wow, now I feel bad for all the times I explained aspect ratios to all of the women on my, because I wrote, I put a Facebook post out that was like, guys, I've got to see Barbie. Does anyone want to come with this, with me to this? I got no takers. Everyone was talking about Oppenheimer, not my choice. And many of them were women. And they said, oh, we got like IMAX tickets or we got, you know, this kind of ticket. Can you tell me the difference? And so like I did walk through a little bit of the differences and I, yeah, because they file. asked. Right, but okay. That's different. But, eh, but first of all, I said, but someone who just looked at me writing that would, who with no context would say that I was being an explainer guy. We don't know if that guy's girlfriend asked him to explain it, but we are making <laughs> no, fun of him. And in this ratio movie, guy and in is this different. Movie, and in this movie, the women legitimately ask for help with Photoshop and ask to be explained the Godfather and the men do as asked responding to their expressed desire. And we are made to see that as them being the bad people. It what is I completely didn't like fair about to that punch though, up. Is that, it, it, that does. And I'm agreeing with you here. That becomes a joke about how women are duplicitous and right, which is another weird thing because then they do the mm-hmm. thing where all the Kens are singing. Was that like a Three Doors Down song? I can't remember which I song think was it's it. Ma- it's Matchbox a Matchbox Twenty. 20. Oh, right, it it's is. It's push. The, if I could be like that. Oh no! I thought there was a different one. I thought they did. It's two Push Matchbox by 20 Matchbox songs. Twenty. When they're on the beach, they're singing "Push" mm-hmm. by Matchbox. Yeah, 20. it's that one. Why did yes. I think it was "If I Could Be Like That"? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh yeah. Like they're listening and like, you know, they're playing the song and it's all these guys who've literally never had a thought of their own who are finally giving an option for artistic expression to (laughs) sing out loud the existential emptiness that they've felt. And then the girls in order to like get their power back, 
go and like flirt with someone else, a thing that they know is going to be emotionally and psychologically devastating to these men. That's why I was saying this movie is weirdly regressive. It's femme fatale. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking weird. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it is femme fatale, but it's like the the type of femme fatale that an incel thinks that a woman is, not that like Dashiell Hammett <laughs> thinks that a woman is, you know? It's so fucking strange. Yeah, it, it wasn't empowering or it undercut the empoweringness of them taking their government back for it to be done that way. Yeah. Very odd. I yeah, we have a lot to say. Well, about but I, I think, I think it's yet. also like, I think what's funny, though, is that the kins like he's reading text messages and is accusing her of like, you know, they're not even together and he's accusing her of you know flirting with another kin by just simply texting him like it, it's it's poking fun at masculinity where it's like this hyper masculine like you can't talk to any other guy like that's that's not what you could do you know like it, his whole well, thing is as Jonah soon Hill. <laughs> I don't I don't know anything about that, but um, <laughs> all I know you don't have the time to get into everything. All I know is that That's like, a whole podcast I, episode. Mm. I think I think it's skewering men in that way in in this kind of hyper masculine way. Right. And that's that's what these kins are supposed to represent. They're not supposed to represent men necessarily. They're supposed to represent this stupid hyper masculine idea that is kind of plaguing society that, you know, men have to be a certain way and have to act a certain way and that, like, we have to be this domineering force and we have to, you know, help the poor, frail women and all of this stuff. So I think I think we're, in a lot of ways, we're kind of like, oh, well, what's that saying about men in general? I think it's more saying that about certain kinds of men and that these men in particular are kind of dummy dummies because they also don't have a lot of experiences in their life because you know they don't necessarily get played with a lot they're sit sent on the outskirts and i think that's what the end of this movie is kind of saying is that the barbies all take back power but they realize that we have this whole other sector of society that has no power, no, no voice and all of this, we need to include them and including, you know, uh, weird Barbie as well. Um, and so, you know, they're kind of like, Oh, we, we thought we lived in this idyllic world where we ruled the world, but then you kind of think about the other classes and the other people, the kins of that world who were fucking miserable, you know? Um, and so they kind of realize that they have to share their society. They can't just be monolithic like they were. So that's the end of the movie. I mean, that's an end of the movie. Yeah. Because, like, we also have Barbie deciding to become a real person. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Her her story's not over. Unfortunately. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't wait for the sequels. I don't know what they're going to look like at all, but I'm here for it. Um... 
Sure. Yes. I don't know. I won't be watching. I them. just I want Greta Gerwig to make independent films. I don't want oh, this. Oh, you're to one be. of those people. Yeah. <laughs> We've lost her to the IP. Too bad. How small do you think she's going to be able to make the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Yeah. Well, I, I I think I think we've seen this with Christopher Nolan specifically, right? Where he took what three films of IP. Right. And then eventually now he's made a three hour half of it in black and white IMAX uh, biography also based film. On book. <laughs> yes. But, IP. you know, Books are okay. OK, yeah, sure. I don't know. Does American Prometheus technically count as IP? I don't think it does. <laughs> Is it a well, Pulitzer Prize winning book? Probably. Didn't it win some kind of award? I mean, it was like, anyway, it's, it's a very well respected biography. I mean, The Prestige was also a uh, book or books. It was. It was a book. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I think what's interesting is I've seen a lot of hand wringing over Greta Gerwig specifically doing this. And I'm just like, let her make one hundred and sixty million dollars. Like, let's let's. Let's not pump the brakes on on her. But I do understand, Heather, that like in in an ideal world, she would get this and then have green light to make anything that she wanted from now on. But I think I think because she's a female, she has to do more. Unfortunately, my, my conception of it is. I think that the people who want her to keep doing independent stuff want her to keep doing independent stuff because they're aware of the fact that as an independent artist, she is able to make very specific stories. Whereas because she is a woman, any movie that she makes beyond a certain amount of money is going to in the culture at large. And probably like, this is a, this is definitely a bad thing. I'm not saying I like that this is happening, but she is going to be viewed as every movie she makes must be about capital W women. And therefore, it must apply to everyone. White women, right. so two capital W's. Yes. Um, doubles you? No, it's W's. It's not hmm. doubles you. Well, it's like spoonsful, not spoonfuls. Well, w- no, would it be weird? Spoonfuls. It's not spoonful. No, it's would it be weird? Wait a second. Would it be no, weird? We have to finish this first. I am okay. positive that it is spoonfuls. That makes no sense because you have several spoons full of oatmeal. Spoonsful. Putting the S on the first part can sound okay. So, would you say leave of absences or leaves of absence? No, because you are taking multiple leaves. I agree. Yes, and then I am eating multiple spoons of oatmeal. (laughs) No spoonfuls of oatmeal. The spoonful is a measurement. None of y'all are saying anything different than each other. You're just repeating what you're saying. No, because if you were to say spoons full, you would be talking about multiple independent spoons. So if you had three spoons and each of them were full, that would be spoons full. If it's a single spoon and you're dipping it in repeatedly, that's many spoonfuls because each thing that you're talking about isn't related to the spoon. It's the quantity that you're lifting by the spoon. Yeah, but it is multiple <laughs> spoonings of that. Okay, but now and you're you, talking about spoons. a verb. Now you've verbed it. I'm talking about Yeah, it and I'm saying, but that but it has the logic behind it. So like I am eating 20 spoons full of oatmeal. 
that is the same, that is the equivalent of the, the spoons that you're describing. We're never going to agree on this. <laughs> yeah, okay. I already said that five minutes ago. Yes, but uh, this is a more fun conversation I, than whatever we were talking about. This previous. is way more important than some I bullshit can, about feminism. Well, I so, can't so imagine issue, so what I, what Greta I making say, a movie about non-white women, though. Oh like, my god, is that fucking it, torn apart. Like, everyone would murder yeah. her. But so, so the issue is, like, what I was going to say is, when you make a movie that's that big, it has to appeal to more people. So you can't make Lady Bird with a $140 million budget because the, the it may make it back in some awesome world where that still happens. But the way that studios think of it now is, you it's not even four quadrants. It's like 78 quadrants now you have to do. And they don't give you money to make a, a tiny little thing about a girl who chooses to be called Ladybird, And so when people are afraid of her moving into larger areas, they're afraid of her diluting a specific vision. I think Christopher Nolan gets around that because he's just not that interested in people on the level of humanity that Greta Gerwig seems to have been. He's, I don't want to say more sure. cerebral, maybe more like existential. And like we want... Gerwig to be able to have her ladybirds and do little women, little's women. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because little is the adjective. Her lady's bird, um, <laughs> and we want her to be able to do that. And so we're worried that she's going to because she built herself off of people and not games. She's going to have to lose the sharp edges and the interesting quirks of the people in order to keep pushing bigger. And I, I, I agree with that. I, like, I, I, if, if you like Lady Bird and uh, the other one, Little Women, Little's Women, um, <laughs> then I can understand why you would be afraid of that. I didn't care for Lady Bird. I thought Little Women was handsome and had moments, but I didn't find anything. I didn't really care for it also. Um, so yeah, I guess this is this movie is track. That was another reason I wasn't looking forward to this movie. I was like, I think as a writer and director, I'm not in line with what she's doing, and that's fine because other people are, and people should be allowed to enjoy things like that. But yeah, I um I can understand why that would be scary to people. Like Christopher Nolan makes like a puzzle box movie that's all shift up out of time, and it's about a guy breaking into houses and stuff, and into that he actually gets implicated in a murder. Great, you can do that with a lot more money and slap Batman in there. Like, you know, but you can't make Ladybird and then try to blow it up like that. So I don't know. But generally, I have no opinion about it because, like, I'm still waiting for her to, to make the thing that strikes a chord with me. I might rewatch Ladybird. The more of her stuff I've seen, the more I think maybe I would like Ladybird on a rewatch. What do you guys think of know. Noah Baumbach in general? Oh, just so whiny. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love him. <laughs> yeah, I don't really care for his movies that much. Let me take. A I look. like his taste in actors because mm -hmm. he discovered Jesse Eisenberg. He, you know, he was freaking married to Jennifer Jason Lee. He he did a lot of good stuff Gerwig with his own way. Really skates by for Ariana Grande oh, that situation. One hundo. <laughs> Wait, what happened? <laughs> Uh, no Baumbach <laughs> left Jennifer Jason Lee, who is his age appropriate uh, wife of many yeah. years. Yes. For oh. Greta, just after they had a kid. Wow. Uh, for Greta Gerwig. Wait, and why are we saying love... Ariana Grande-ing? Who did she do that to? Uh, Ar Spongebob. Ar 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 yeah. Spongebob? 
<laughs> okay, okay. Here's the tea. Okay. Give me uh, the tea. Ariana Grande is famous for breaking up either marriages or or strong partnerships. She even wrote us. She even sung a song about it. Of course. And the latest tea is that she fucked the Munchkin. <laughs> is in w- Wicked like he plays a Munchkin. Uh, he's what I would call, in the term, words of Reddit, an absolutely unviewable goblin. So it's quite <laughs> shocking. Uh, I wish those were my words, but but they're not. Um, this guy who played SpongeBob on Broadway and is in the Wicked film playing a Munchkin was married to this woman for like ten years. She has a PhD and. Oh, just okay. So I just looked this ago. up. Ariana Grande new boyfriend. And at TMZ three hours ago, Ariana Grande's boyfriend, Ethan Slater, files for divorce from wife Lily J. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the whole thing is that Ariana was like, oh, my God, I love this couple. She would like all their shit on Instagram. She would just be like cozying <laughs> up to them. It was such a Mia Farrow thing. And then fully so seduced the husband. Fucked up. Yeah. And I just like... At least, you know, I will say, at least people are being like her boyfriend and not that thing that happened with the guy who was into Natalie Portman, where it, he was like, I left my wife for you. And she's like, ew, why? Oh, Jonathan Safran Clower. <laughs> yeah. Sure, okay, you just had that fair. name on the tip of your tongue ready to, to go. To fair, if you read their emails, which have been published, you would see that she was absolutely flirting with him and teasing him and like okay. cucking him and it's not surprising at all that he fell in love with her and she still remained with her hot french millipede but he, sorry, they're having issues too millipede that's her husband that's his well, i mean i call him millipede but his name is like millipede or something oh okay it's, like, <laughs> it's ironic like... because he's a dancer oh okay of course so so what we're saying is that Barbie was right and women are n- manipulative heritage oh, no. who are out to <laughs> And our entire power is in our sexual prowess and how yeah, we can Yeah, pretty much. That. Um yeah. I now want to go and read those emails. Um I am they 100% They are so obnoxious am... and you're going to love it because you're going to be like I am Jonathan Safran Thor. Oh, probably. Yeah, I I 100% know that there are women who use me as an emotional crutch when they're having a problem with their significant others. And then you just hide away from your family, go to the bathroom and write emails with your Hotmail account to a hot (laughs) actress. Yeah, that's a little different from what I do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying that's aspirational for you. And you both probably read War and Peace at like age 10. Yeah, I love that that's the new thing that's become the big part of my, uh, my legend <laughs> is how Bully, bully, bully. Yeah. How did we get on to this? Oh, Noah Baumbach. Right. I think I've liked one of his movies. No, maybe I didn't. Oh, no, I liked I I I kind of liked the Meyerowitz stories. I, I like that one. I fucking hated Marriage Story. Oh, I love that one, actually. Didn't bother with White Noise. That was a fun episode. White Noise I did not like. I didn't see White Noise. Uh, The Marriage Story was the fun episode to record because I had to make the decision whether or not to tell the Mm co-hosts on the podcast beforehand that I was going through a divorce. Uh. Because I was like, oh, I get to bring 
a knowledge of what it's like for normal people to go through divorce. Because <laughs> I walk in and I'm like, these fucking assholes. It's like, I'm a MacArthur genius winner. Oh, I'm a famous actress. We don't have any money problems. This is a social embarrassment. And meanwhile, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to buy diapers for my daughter. I might need to sell my house. This is the fucking worst thing that's ever happened to me from a socioeconomic and psychological standpoint. And I was like, wouldn't it be fun to drop that bomb in the middle of the episode? Um, but I didn't because I knew that it would grind everything to a halt. So like eight <laughs> hours before we recorded, I was like, guys, just so you know, I'm going through a divorce. It will be coming up. <laughs> and then my ex, soon to be ex-wife got mad at me because during it, I compared her to Robin Williams from Mrs. Doubtfire because of her <laughs> incredible lack of responsibility. Good episode. Anyway, uh, yeah, I didn't really care. I guess Greenberg was fine. I fucking hated Francis Ha. I didn't see While We're Young. Oh my I didn't Christ. see Mistress America. Mistress America's him. cute. I like Greenberg. I love Francis Ha. Oh, Francis I Ha. I love Francis Ha. Intolerable. <laughs> and again, Greta Gerwig, which I think is just like, maybe that's, I just, I don't know. I don't know. You can say you don't like her. I, yeah, but like I don't want to be like, oh, I don't like her. Like, maybe she's fine. I don't know. It's kind I of. I thought you liked her in that movie that's not certain women, but it's like. Oh, oh 20th, 20th century, century women. Thank you. I need to rewatch yeah. that because I think I didn't like that movie, but I think I liked her in it. I Like my issue with that movie is I loved Beginners and continue to love it with every iota of my soul. And then 20th Century Women was like, fine. And I think I held that against it. And then come on, come on was like a little better. So I think I need to revisit it. But I think I liked her in it because she had that thing about how like, basically like you can't be an emotional crutch for women. It like destroys your power. And I was like, oh, that's the thing that most men need to be told at some point. But yeah, I don't know. She was also good in a uh, house of the devil and apparently Jackie, she was in Jackie. I don't remember that. Oh yeah. She was um, Natalie Portman's assistant in it. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Uh, Okay, well, I love Jackie, and I don't remember disliking her in it, so I have to assume that I liked her in it. I don't know. Um, do we have any more things to say specifically about Barbie? The movie or the music was great. Yes, yes I agree with that. I, I liked, liked it, but too many needle drops. I was too many needle drops of contemporary songs or too many old needle drops. Like cause just both. There's like, like I just felt what, like the music there's three was new overused. songs. Three I, I, new at least. Do that kind of didn't uh, matter to me. Like okay, yeah. As a I, person who's not up on music, uh, I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> I like pop music. I just felt it was it was overused to create tone. Um, I did like mm. the Ken musical sequence oh um, when they're like dancing in the, the dancing Berkeley. that was yeah cool. that was so fun that was the only one that seemed to really live up to like the like this is a land of imagination kind of thing mm -hmm. yes i like the battle sequence like again no, sorry but actually, like the, really well produced um, the kens I, are just they're just bad. <laughs> that was interesting yeah because the barbies were so generic at least the kens had pathos well so that's like the problem that like a lot of people have have kind of pinpointed and written about with relation to like strong female characters is that like you necessarily make them boring. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, 
I, I think the other thing that we may be missing and there was recently like a not recently, but when the uh, Spider-Man emails were leaked, the Sony and Marvel thing, it came out like what uh, the actual like Marvel mandate for what a Spider-Man could be. And he was basically like he could be white. He could be. Uh, heterosexual he could be uh from the bronx he could be like all oh, of he these can't things be from the bronx he's supposed to be from queens queens whatever oh, oh. um <laughs> anyways and Don't so it was it was it was like it has to be x y and z x y and z x y and z and a lot of people were really shocked by this that like oh it's like literally written out it's not like oh like you know here's some some ideas for what spider no 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 it's like this is a mandate you cannot go to screen with a spider man you could do miles morales which at that time i don't think he existed but you could do other spider man but you could not do peter parker spider man and so i bet you there's more mandates that are kind of in this wheelhouse so I imagine that Greta probably was pretty like understood the mandates before they were even given to her of like, I can't fuck with Barbie too much, but you know who I can really fuck with and I can actually give them a story is Ken's because Matilda give a shit about Ken's. And and that's why that is the more interesting thing to do, I think, because you have more latitude and freedom. Um, Yeah, I was going to say, like, in line with that, it's funny that they should do that and write those things down because what they should have written down was like, he has to be the underdog. He has to be a nerd. He has to quip when he's doing stuff. They like wrote down a bunch of superficial things. And it's Mm -hmm. like, but like the reason you do that is because you do want to kind of protect what, you know, people love about stuff. Otherwise you get nonsense. Like we have with this new snow white movie where you release the first photos and then you have to claim that they were fake before you end up admitting that they're real because the backlash to them was so incredibly harsh. See also the original the original version of Sonic the Hedgehog. I was going to say Sonic. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Like, there is a level of, if you are in IP, you need to exist within it in a way that is comfortable for all the people who you're trying to get innately with it while still pushing things. Like, and that's good. Like, that's great. But when you have people, like, when you have Sonic with human teeth, You've done something yeah. wrong. Um, well, but that, have, that that like, also sent the... And they're like, oh, like, there's not going to be a husband. There's not going to be a prince. And, like, all the people who are, like, weird Disney adults who probably care about <laughs> these things are like, but, like, what about the songs where she sings about wanting a prince? And, like, what about <laughs> literally everything we love about this character? And it's like, but oh I think, no, the fairest of all means that she's the most just. And it's like, did we not see Snow White and the Huntsman? Do we not know mm-hmm. that this is a stupid thing to do? I, th- I think the other thing that, you know, Heather, you you were mentioning earlier about like the wrong messaging that the studios mm-hmm. are going to take. I think the fans in Sonic were probably taking that wrong message as well and going, holy shit, we have so much power. We literally <laughs> made them like stop production on that film like <laughs> as it was about to release and re re like animate sonic like look at the power the we have and it's like character. no 
No, that's not the power you have. Like, don't get it twisted. That is a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah. But hey, they also got the Snyder Cut, which also gets called out in this movie. Which again, Mm -hmm. like, I guess is fine, but it felt weird to me that they were calling out like very individual, like auteuristic, like artistically driven stuff and not like Transformers or I don't know, like what's something like Marvel, I guess. But they probably, I mean, they're Warner Brothers. They could have done that. I mean, or even like Michael Snyder, the Snyder Cut is is very much that like it's a that's short, it's a shorthand for a certain kind of dude which you know is fine but at the same time like i don't know i i still think there's something weirdly admirable about it <laughs> like snyder well, it does it doesn't to it. not to become a it snyder cut bro but it doesn't mean that Snyder cut is bad. Like, like, like it doesn't mean that the Godfather is bad. It doesn't like, and that's, that's what one of the things that like Greta has talked about in interviews is she's like, I love Sylvester Stallone. Like that, that sequence with him in, in uh century city or whatever, like that's not to make fun of Sylvester Stallone. Like she full on, like I saw her take over an entire interview where she just wanted to talk about how much she loves Rocky and how much she loves Sylvester Stallone. So- and like, so like she mentions very specifically, she's like, I love Push by Matchbox 20. I wasn't putting that in there because I hate it. Anything in my movie is basically because I love it. I have so a, I'm I have lovingly like fucking fun for it. the crowd. Based off of what <laughs> Bill says, do you th- in the movie, reading the movie, watching the movie, and reading the tone, would you have guessed that she loved those things? I, I think the Snyder Cut joke is different than some of the other things like it was or maybe I'm just basing that too much on what I know of the context but like I think you can love that Matchbox 20 song and and see what's problematic about it and but like the Snyder Cut I I think that that kind of I that joke stood out to me as bad too because I was mostly like only people that are like on Twitter understand Understand that like, like my mom would not know <laughs> what the Snyder cut is but, uh, I don't know maybe just it I, was so fucking specific and so online and I just wanted to stab that joke yes right and that's and that but like and that's my thing like Bill you saying that she included all those things because she loves them makes me feel feel like I need to knock another half star off this movie <laughs> because if that's the case, then she is a not effective storyteller. Because what is the joke there? The joke is, is that now I actually feel like I care about the Snyder cut, right? That's the joke. Yeah. I think yes, or for a second there, there they, not... they, Hold I, on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I cared about it or the, they said after they like, regained consciousness like whoa for a second there i was becoming the kind of person who cared about the snyder cut i think that's what they say mm-hmm. and i can see that being either direction right i can see that being as a a throw-off kind of jokey line about something that was a pop culture phenomenon that like like the idea of caring about it is much more than just like watching it and enjoying it the idea of caring about it is like 
you you signed the petition, right? <laughs> like, and I think that's part of the joke is like I I went down a deep dark rabbit hole of like actually giving a shit about something so much that I would sign an online petition, right? More than just like, oh yeah, I watched the Snyder Cut. Like a lot of people probably watched it and then just didn't give a fuck about it ever again, right? I, so I, I think, do think that it just has such a like like Brian was saying earlier, like incel connotation that it's it's a little different than I, right. I believe that she loves Stallone. Again, sure. Yeah, that fur coat that is a fur coat of love. Yes. <laughs> But there are jokes in there that are just on the nose. They're so, they're not even clever because they feel like a rehashing of Twitter. Right. Again, like I said, they're not, they're jokes that are not meant to be funny. They're jokes that are meant to let you know that the person is on your side. Mm -hmm. And again, I think that that's why my, my, my audience was probably more silent from your audience because my audience is probably filled with less Twitter people. (laughs) Like if I've learned anything from this this discussion, which is about to push into the three hour mark, so we need to go. <laughs> we need um, to get out of here. Yeah, we've been talking for two hours and forty six minutes. We've had how long does the Snyder cut? Uh, <laughs> I think like four hours. Um, if Hollywood, we can get there, we can if talk Hollywood does <laughs> shut down and we have nothing to talk about come the end of the year, I think we should talk about the Snyder cut. Um, <laughs> Or we can know. rewatch I, Barbie and see if it holds up on a second watch. Y'all can do that. Unlike, that unlike Heather. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I think once was enough. <laughs> oh, man. Um, anyway, I, I feel like 40 minutes ago I said, does anyone have any final thoughts? And uh, <laughs> I apologize for giving us the option to keep talking. Oh, Brian, you, you, th- you think, oh, oh, you sweet summer child. How many times I've said, wrap it up and we go another 40 minutes. I know. And I love it. I'm, ha- I'm happy. I'm still having fun. I know that other people might have like lives and food <laughs> that they need to get to. So, um, I'll say Steve. it again. My husband is waiting to go to sleep. Just tell him to go to sleep. He's he's not a Ken. He has some autonomy. He no, cannot she, go to sleep she, in the she, bed next to me. Oh, are you doing this he, in bed? She has to give a, a pacifier to I always her podcast to in bed, baby. Oh, boy. That is not true. <laughs> All right. How is that not true? Yeah, Bill, I know this you, is not true because you put a you put your microphone on a desk. You, you crazy well, I do maniac. not own a desk. What? Why do you think she's always literally... knocking her her microphone over? It's oh, like Jesus, resting on her no stomach wonder. like a bowl of popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get like one of those uh, dinner and bed trays. Oh, uh, breakfast yeah. and bed I trays. I have a thing. I have a thing that I rested on. Boy. All right. Let's get the fuck out of here. Let's get out of here. <laughs> um, Heather, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to express before we go? Or do you feel as though you've had a chance to accurately and fully reflect your feelings? Um, I, I feel that I had a chance to accurately and fully reflect my feelings. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> cool. Uh, I'm just going to ask that to everyone from now on. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> We're done talking about Barbie. Um, hope everyone has enjoyed this. Uh, if you have thoughts that you haven't yet shouted about on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, Feel free to email us, podcastfilmstage.com. Get on, get in touch with us on all the social medias. Uh, just look for the Film Stage Show. 
And uh, don't forget to go to movie, M-U-B-I.com slash filmstage. Uh, Happer's Comet on there now, along with a bunch of other cool stuff. Um, Robin, what are, what are we talking about next time? Oppenheimer, Woo! <laughs> Why did you say it like that? Because, duh. Okay. That is going to be part two of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> should we should we have Heather back? <laughs> Barbenheimer with the Oh, we do have a guest yet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn. All right. Well, who's our guest? What? You have time? Uh, you, it will be revealed. Okay. Interesting. Is it J. Robert Oppenheimer? <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of. No. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's great to reveal guests ahead of time just in case something doesn't work out. Oh, that's minute. right. Well, tell me offline because I need to know if I need to look them up. Um... <laughs> <laughs> anyway um we have a whole slot channel for that i know but i looked on the list and i didn't think i saw a name there mm-hmm. yeah anyway robin reach out um what was i gonna say <laughs> heather thank you so much for being here for fucking nearly three hours to talk about this movie with us yeah it was so fun bye barbie <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you either actually felt that or are kind enough to so enthusiastically lie to us um <laughs> So that's it for today. Let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we voice our opinions to them. We begin with our guests. Heather, where can people find you and your work online? Um, you can read my work at slate.com. And um, I don't, so you said Twitter is X now. I don't know what we're, we're doing. With I'm still this. calling it Twitter. I just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, my Twitter is at Heather Twit. I also got a blue Ooh, sky. It's called X now. You're going to have to change that. I, I know. know what a twit is anymore. And I didn't know what to name myself on the other new ones. So my, <laughs> my blue sky is Schweather. This is even harder to spell. S-C-H-W-E-A-T-H-E-R. You and then my together like <laughs> S-K... But it, it's also weather, you know, because of the sky. <laughs> this is very intense. <laughs> Wetter weather. And, yes. and then my threads, this is even worse. This is my Instagram name. Threader? Um, which is HN Cheerios, like Honey Nut Cheerios, but HN <laughs> Cheerios. It's horrible. I don't like it. Um, but I'm there if you want to follow me. Heather Twit. Is so simple and elegant, and you're just like struggling on all these other ones. I know that's why I'm re- I'm hoping Twitter doesn't go down for that another reason. Because <laughs> that's where my clever name is. <laughs> oh man! All right, uh, Bill Graham. What about yourself? I cannot compete with that. Uh, I'm <laughs> on Instagram at Bill Instagram. Uh, there you go. That's See, that's, that's my catchy handle. You can't handle. port that over to the other. Places. I can't port that to anything else. And and Robin, but yes, that, that will be probably. that will be dated in you know ten years. I'm sure. So womp, womp, I think womp. that's fine. We're gonna live okay. in the now. Okay. Uh, on Twitter at Cable BFG, uh, but I don't tweet much. It has nothing to do with all the things that are going on with Twitter. I just don't tweet much. Uh, And then I'm on the Slack channel as well. Always mixing it up. Lively discussion uh, around sound of freedom and all sorts of things this week. So, uh, you know, a lot of fun in there. Sound of freedom. What's it sound like? (laughs) We're going to talk about Jim Caviezel talking at you. An empty theater (laughs) that's sold out. All right. Um, cool, cool. Robin Barr, what about your own self? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at R O B Y N B A H R. No clever name, just just me. I'm also on Letterboxd, and you can sometimes find my writing at The Hollywood Reporter. Awesome. As for me, um, I'm on everything, every fucking thing that I get on. I use the same name, Brian J. Rowan. It's just my name because as I constantly don't say, advertise that because otherwise I'm, people are going to take it. They're going to grab it on, on Bill. I'll tell you, even if I don't plan on engaging in a platform, I still grab that name because mm. that's how nuts smart I man. I know. Uh, so I'm on blue sky. I don't think I've skied Mastodon. <laughs> no, I couldn't figure out how to sign up for Mastodon. They're all federations and whatever. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to, I don't think anyone's going to go there. Um, if they are, God bless them. What about Peach? Oh, I had a Peach. And guess what? I was on Peach. Oh. I was at Brian J. Rowan. On, uh, <laughs> on Ello, I was at Brian J. Rowan. Um, did you on, have a Snapchat? I do. Did? Probably. I think I used Snapchat for like three days. Um, mm. All right. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. At Brian J. Rowan. Every goddamn where. Uh, Brian J. Rowan dot blue sky with no ue dot social i don't remember how to find things on blue sky um uh yeah i didn't talk at all about my whiskey this episode that's weird go to inkwellwhiskey.com to learn more about the whiskey i'm making uh we just released our one-year-old bourbon and a special limited edition of cask strength so check that out uh as for my writing in every episode of this here podcast all you got to do is go to thefilmstage.com to hear more about that so ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for having spent all this time with us hope it's been enjoyable bye barbie look forward to talking to you (laughs) talking to you next time bye barbie bye barbie bye ken